0: Our new partner, who I'm really, really excited to announce, we are working with, super, super stoked. Thank you, Andy Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens, I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically, take one scoop, and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this. It's so good for my digestion, my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. So this has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life, and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it, and I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste, and the taste is actually really refreshing, and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't, don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good, um, and it's good for you, so remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible. Just one scoop. Especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens, you can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some of my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer, and he had he had those every single day. He said it's, it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meats, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit athleticgreens.com slash and get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. AthleticGreens.com slash OLOC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love what you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115, with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst. Stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Check, check. Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host Toby Morse. Today, I got a good friend of mine here in my kitchen. Uh, Massachusetts-born like me, uh, Mr. Slain. Thank you for being here.
1: Yes, sir. What's up, brother? It's good to see you, man.
0: You know, it's crazy. It's that uh, when you have friends, you only know them by like like their like their name or their nickname, and then you do a deep dive on when your name is George Carroll, which I never fucking knew. And it's like <laughs> we have so many friends from our world that have like these nicknames. Yeah and like you go you go your whole life your adult life not knowing like what's what is this fucking you know real well especially name? <laughs> when we came
1: up it's like the 90s the early yeah. 2000s and everybody just you know them by their street name their stage yeah. name the mc name whatever it yeah. is their graffiti name
0: yeah it's crazy when they, and i did that i was like holy shit i never knew that was his fucking name it's like now I don't want to know that name. I just want to know you by Slain, but <laughs> but you go by that when you're acting as it go by Well, your- that just started. So okay. um
1: Ida Red was the first movie I was billed by my birth name. Okay. And the reason I did that is cuz you know, like my son is getting older now and uh yeah. I want my son to see his name up on the screen. It's, you know, he has a different first name than me, but I want yeah. him to see Carol up on the on the screen. Yeah. And I think that's like relevant going forward for his kids and all that. It's you know, so so I just switched it. It was it was it's kind of a hard decision because a lot of people know you by yeah. that name, and and I think in the past I've always thought like, well, if somebody sees me in a movie, I want them to be able to put two and two together and then do the deep dive on my music. Yeah, and um, yeah, but you know, it just felt like it was
0: time. So the IMDb there—that's your regular, that's your real name. Yeah, that's what I figured out. Yeah, but it's kind of cool to have two different things. It's like two different parts of your life. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, there's also an aspect of it, too, where I, I remember an acting teacher I was working with here in L.A., he said, you know, every time you're playing a role, you're really George playing Slain playing whatever character you're playing. And that kind of blew me away. I was like, yeah. oh, shit. You know, the, it adds an extra layer to it that doesn't need to be there. So.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so, uh, obviously, whatever, I was born in Taunton, Massachusetts. And you were you born in just Boston proper?
1: Yeah, I was born in Dorchester
0: Dorchester How Saint far is Ma- that from Taunton? St. Right?
1: Margaret's Hospital in uh, <clears throat> in Dorchester and, and I lived in Dorchester as a kid too uh,
0: Are we far from each other, Taunton? I don't about even know for,
1: 40 minutes, I think I don't know, I haven't spent a lot of time in Taunton But yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I think it's about 40 minutes from Dorchester
0: And I remember growing up going to the Brockton Mall And doing all that shit, you know what I mean? Like I lived there a very short time before I moved to Rhode Island, but I was young, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I forgot about that. I, we did talk about that before. I remember coming to a show, and you and you mentioned that on stage, and I was like, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so do you have siblings? I do. I have uh, two sisters. Two s- older? No, younger. And they actually kind of grew up different than me. They grew up in California, because my mother got remarried, um, oh, Okay. and they're younger than me. So I- you know, they moved out to California, lived in Northern California growing up. So it's funny because they don't have the accent. They don't have, you know, <laughs> we just, it's with different lives.
0: Yeah. we we close with them? We kept in touch with them throughout your life? Yeah,
1: I love my sisters.
0: Yeah. So, um, so Boston. So yeah, how was it growing up in Boston?
1: Um, you know, I, I tell people like the, the neighborhood that I grew up in in Dorchester is, uh, is doesn't exist anymore. Boston has changed so much over the years. Like, but but growing up, it was very much like Irish Catholic, like working class enclave. Like, you know, is that the proper way to say that word? But, (laughs) but, you know, there was like a family with 12 kids, another one with eight kids. Everybody's Irish. There was like definitely, definitely a lot of, uh, you know good hard-working people a lot of alcoholism especially like as I see kids that I didn't that because I, I moved out of there as a kid too I moved around a lot as a kid and um, when I see kids from my my old neighborhood I see them in, in the in the program and stuff like that you know so wow. I was like damn there must be something in the water you know
0: yeah I grew up Catholic as well and I think I was like uh, we like like heavily in church my mom used to go to church I'm, like, part Irish. I'm enough Irish to have, like, a Fighting Irish tattoo and have a House of pain tat. Um, I, I'm, I forgot my percentage of Irish, but, yeah, I'm Irish as well. But, yeah, like, growing up, and that's that's such a... What you just described is, like, such a Boston thing, man. It's just its own, you yeah, know. You know what, though? Like, but I think
1: you're you're a little bit older than me, but we come from the same generation. I think the world in general back then, and particularly cities, everything was kind of... There was, there was a different culture to every neighborhood. Yeah. And... Um, you know, th- every city particularly, but now, like, you go around the world, I think the internet changed things. People dress the same, and people mm. talk the same no matter where you go. You're not really Good segmented point. in the same way that it used to be. Yeah. Or it used to be like kids would, all, there'd be, like, kids who listen to hip-hop, kid who, kids who listen to, to heavy metal, kids who, you know, and, yeah. and none of that meshed, like, it, It's it was, all
0: meshed now, though, right? It's all, I feel like everybody
1: listens it's, to everything.
0: Uh, I love that, though. Yeah. It's cool because I grew up in the same thing, like hip-hop, hardcore, all that stuff. But like, especially in hardcore, it was very just like only hardcore, only punk. But if you liked other types of music, that wasn't cool. But like, yeah, always hip-hop, always like pop, everything. But um, yeah, it's definitely meshed together. I think social media for sure, man, it's had that kind of impact, right? Crazy. Um, I
1: mean, I wasn't introduced to hardcore music until I moved to New York. Mm. And the first hardcore show I went to was... Um, it was Madball AF and uh, Murphy's Law. Wow, that's a C- good one. At CB's. Damn, was yeah. that in the nineties? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a good one. So you didn't go- so so growing up, you're strictly into hip hop. Growing up in Boston, pretty much.
1: Yeah, I mean, t- you know, early on, I was just into all the shit that my mother listened to in the car. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. at Hall and Oates and Best. Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson, and we- she used to put the record. You know records on when she would clean the house and stuff like that so yeah that, that was my introduction to music and i think uh my introduction to hip-hop was the beastie
0: boys beastie boys i looked at l.l right kumo d all that stuff yeah
1: yeah that era so it was like and i fell in love with it but the first record i ever listened to was the beastie boys first album and i wrote a rhyme right after that
0: your first rhyme For,
1: first rhyme i wrote after i don't remember what the rhyme was <laughs> And I was just trying to sound like the Beastie Boys, but it was yeah. it was you know I was nine years old. Wow!
0: And so obviously, so I mean, but not at that not at nine years old. you're Like I want to be a rapper, right? It wasn't like no,
1: that. I didn't even think it was possible for me to be a rapper. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it's you know, it was uh, it was something that I really kept buried for a long time. Like mm. it, it wasn't even cool to go and spit rhymes like out in public or anything like that. There wasn't. It yeah. was it was like you know. It was uh, there was an element to to Boston in that time too that was also very racially segregated, and that's for not for you. You know what I mean? You're yeah. a, 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 a wannabe if you do something like that. So it was like, yeah. You know, all, I I would write on my own. I used to, you know, plug the headphones into the, you know, I'd get the 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 A and B tape, and I would get an instrumental tape, and I would and I would rhyme into the mic while I taped on a blank tape, and then I would overdub it. I didn't know. Damn. That that's what I was doing at the time, but I yeah. would get another blank tape and I would put dubs on my vocals, and that's Sick. how I learned how to record in the very beginning as a kid.
0: Wow, and and how were you in school? Like how were you as a kid?
1: I was a, I was a, I was a smart kid, so like before, up until high school, and uh, yeah. you know I always you know got on a roll. I was always ver- very good writer. You know, both my parents were teachers. Okay. So um,
0: what kind of what kind of teachers were they?
1: My father was a Boston public high school teacher and my mother started as uh she was, she worked in like a flower shop behind my house in Dorchester when I was a kid. And then she became a teacher over time. I think she might she was she was a um an art teacher. Okay. In in East Boston when I was a kid kid and then, you know, um uh, later like she does, taught communications and stuff like that. Yeah. And media. So you know I have that kind of as a background were so, they strict
0: about that for school for you education
1: um in the so before everything fell apart you know my you know it's like a tale of two, two different tales like in my early childhood and uh and then you know the very toxic situation as i as i got to be um twelve thirteen years old so i'm okay. I'm actually estranged from my dad now okay but um but yeah, I mean, I remember in grade school, both of them like sitting next to me, writing my papers with me. Like, wow, to, yeah, you yeah, know, and them fighting over like the way it should be, and like <laughs> so, wow, okay. So, I, but I, but I think it definitely gave me a foundation in reading and writing. Like, and it was something I also had an aptitude for. So, like, writing has always come very easy for me.
0: Yeah, so you were writing all through school and stuff like that, and journaling and shit like that, or. Not so much journal. Poetry? R- writing no? rhymes. Okay, writing rhymes. Okay, yeah. the whole time. But do you remember the first time that like, you rhymed in front of somebody? Was that in school or no? Or kind of I don't waited. remember
1: the first time, man. I think you it was... Doing bat-
0: Were you going to battles and stuff like that? No, okay, nothing okay.
1: like that, man. It was re- Like I said, I mean, I, I used to write rhymes and put them in a shoebox and hide them under my bed. So my, my mother was... Uh, my mother <laughs> told me years later, like, I found a shoebox under your bed that had all these rhymes and that was when I knew that you are an artist.
0: Wow, bro! She read him and shit. I don't know. I didn't get know <laughs> that. <laughs> so your mom pretty much raised you at that point, right? If your dad took like
1: yeah, but my mom was also like dealing with the fallout from that. So uh, yeah, like, as I became a teenager, I had a, a you know I, I, my high school sweetheart who later became um, my wife, then my ex-wife. <laughs> she's my yeah. son's mother, and she's one of my best friends now. But uh, but she. Like at that time I met her, her family became kind of a surrogate family to me. So I used okay. to, I used to like stay over there all the time or, you know, it was also a very convenient way to stay out in the streets because, you know, I could tell my mother I'm going over to dad's. Yeah. I could tell my father I'm going, I'm staying with mom How and old then are I you could then? be running out in the streets. Uh, 14, 15 years old. Okay. So you're in the streets. Yeah. And that's when, that's when the drugs started.
0: Mm. So you hadn't really partied and two of your parents kind of split and you kind of life changed like that, right?
1: Yeah, I think it was just that age and the culture at that time, too. You know, it was uh, it was the time when I mean, I think a lot of kids get into drugs at that time. But, I, you know, I had some things like that, that probably internally were really fucking with me. Of and, uh, you know, some and I had the, a situation where, like, I kind of could run amok for a little while. And I did.
0: Yeah. Are we get in trouble and stuff.
1: Uh not so much. I always tell as far as <laughs> look, I was I was in trouble to the to the extent that I was that I was doing cocaine and smoking angel dust and selling drugs and wow, all that. Wow, that young? That young. Holy but you know, shit. it was very quick for me from the first time I drank and smoked weed to to acid and coke. Really fast, right? Within months. You know what I mean? So I I it was just so, it was like I loved it. You know, I yeah. loved the way it feel that internally changed my perception of the world it changed the world's perception of me in my own mind
0: yeah you like being numb to it numbs you out kind of and yeah it made me
1: feel like for the first time like i was connected and i belonged and you know i was part of something i i I, you know it was it was a culture that i wanted to be a part of forget about you know hip-hop tied into it and all that and music tied into it but more so than that it was like a culture it was like being part of an underground culture like i knew I like to sell drugs. I like to do drugs. And I like to be connected with other people who are in that kind of world.
0: Yeah. You know? Like, kind of like an like uh, underground, grimy kind of just like. S- no matter where scary. I was, I could
1: always sniff out kind of the people that also were into drugs. You know what I mean? And
0: uh, so you're doing that throughout high school too? Yeah. Wow. Was that affecting your grades or anything? Absolutely. Because I, I went
1: from being an honor roll student like for my whole life to, you know, by the end of high school, I was barely passing. And the only reason I even passed was because my writing ability. So like I could, mm. I could bullshit on, uh, you know, it would be like a papers due. It'd be like, what's 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 the book about? So it's like a coming of age story, and then I would just, you know, <laughs> write like that. So I could I could I could very easily like put together a uh, an eloquent kind of two or three pages and and wow. get
0: by. Are you are you in school high too? If, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. You been coked out in school? Yep. Damn, bro.
1: So it, I went to I went to a Catholic school in um in the right in the in the end of the combat zone. So the combat zone was kind of dissipating at the time, but it was still there in Boston. So it's like uh you know, it was like the porn theaters and the and all that stuff and whores. whores and it
0: was like Forty and Second Street, kind of yeah, like yeah. a mini
1: mini version of <laughs> your yeah. Bust and and uh, you know, the, there'd be like prostitutes walking out the window. Like we'd be in woodshop. It was a technical high school, so most kids didn't go to college after that. It was like okay. you learned a trade and you got a job in the union or you know, get yeah. a construction job or something like that. But we used to throw candy out the windows at the hookers, like. <laughs> From, from the fourth floor up, and then they would look up, and we'd all duck in the window. Oh <laughs> shit. So I was high as a kite, man. Wow. I was having a good time.
0: And so do you have any goals at that time when you are in high school? What, was, were you thinking about music at all? Uh, I mean, just surviving?
1: I, I loved music, yeah. man. I, all I thought about was music. But, I, I, again, I didn't really think it was a realistic goal. And I think for the – so, you know, I, the first time I tried to, like, get sober um, – was right at the end of high school, and because at that point I was like really doing hard drugs at a young age and regularly.
0: You tried heroin at that? You tried? tried no, 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 cocaine, no, no. I, oh,
1: I wasn't an opiate guy. Um, I like, I, I mean, booze is my drug of choice. But that being said, I have supplemented with every other drug. Yeah. But you know, cocaine was big for me because I could drink for three or four days at a time without sleeping, and I, I like that.
0: Uh, the come down, I mean, the crash on that is so gnarly, right? Yeah. It's heavy depression and all well, that. Well, it's
1: anxiety too over the years. Like, you know, especially towards the end of it, man. It was just like, you know, my throat closes like a pinhole. I can't breathe. You know, it's like. Fuck. It's. it's uh. Sounds
0: intense. It's like. And we, we know people that have been on. it. I've seen some friends on. I've been with them when they were on it the next day, how they looked and acted. And it was really like night and day scary and sad. And they're like. Yeah, it's really. Well, it's also sleep deprivation, right? Yeah. So it's
1: like if <laughs> I've found out since I got sober, like I don't just have to do drugs to feel like that. If I don't sleep well, I don't. I feel like shit. So you, now you're talking about three or four days mm. where you're not sleeping at all. I mean, you know, the, the the human body's not designed to do that.
0: Fuck no. And you're and you're trying to keep get keep getting that same high, right? That's the whole thing. You can't stop doing it because you like that, right? It's like almost like the chase, I guess.
1: Yeah, man, and it's, uh, you know, uh, with the booze, too. And uh, How old were you when you started drinking, you think? Four, 13, 14. Wow. smoking
0: cigarettes, weed, all that. So yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I still struggle with the cigarettes. But. That's all right, man. You're <laughs> human, bro. Um, so, yeah, so just, wow, so totally wilding out and partying, and, you're, and then you, do you graduate?
1: Yeah, I graduated high school. And then after that, so it was like a year... And I was like, "I need to get my life together, yeah. and figure out what I'm doing, and um,
0: are you living at home too still?
1: yeah, and i'm- well i i I took a year after high school to try to figure out what I'm gonna do, yeah, and you know I worked and all that stuff, but um by trying to get sober, I meant like getting off the angel dust, not doing cocaine and all that, so I would like drink. So, yeah. Still. <laughs> yeah. And that never worked. Like I always ended up back to the drugs and all that. And uh, but I did I did, you know, apply to college and I wanted to go to film school. I figured out like I, there's there's nothing that I really want to do that's like anything besides being creative i was a creative i loved uh, as much as i loved music i loved movies I was gonna too. ask you that. yeah i mean i used to like go you know back then when you used to go and rent videos and stuff like yeah. that i'd rent like four movies and you know binge watch them i love i love movies i love everything about them so yeah. i wanted to be i wanted to be a director i didn't think i really could be an actor or anything like that yeah i wanted to be a director or a screenwriter and I applied to the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. Yeah, and I went there uh, for about seven months. And I you
0: had an altercation where you had to leave. Yeah, you read about that. You did the oh, deep yeah. dive Come on me. Because <laughs> because you because you went to um you went to New York in '96. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you were there for a little bit, then had all. What was the altercation? Just like a was it with a teacher?
1: No, it was with it was with one of the doormen at the building that we lived in, and uh, (laughs) the guy was out. So a friend of mine already had like some static with him during the course of the year, and he was Ah. out. He was walking his pit bull. It was a baby pit bull, and the and it was on a long leash. So the pit bull came over. We were going out to get more beers. We were already loaded, and uh, (laughs) and and my friend starts petting the dude's baby pit bull, and the dude's like, you know. Yo, get your fucking hands off of my dog! And I was like, "Come on, Joe, let's go!" And then the dude ran up on him and hit him. What? And then you know, yeah. I jumped in and and we finished him off. So the next day, uh, you know, they had uh, the cops came by. And Whoa! So so yeah, it was not good. <laughs> and 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 uh, so the dudes in front and his his jaw's all busted and he's got crutches and his ribs are broken and shit and And the New York City cops man it's like it's totally different than anywhere else they're like yo do you, I mean if you hit' them first that you know they're talking like that. I wow. was like, these police are different than the ones we got <laughs> Boston and, and uh and and basically it ended with the, the the cop was like look if if you want us to press charge, if you want to press charge, we need to bring you in too because you start it sounds like you started the fight, mm. so the dude let it go and um Went back in the room and our rooms were ransacked because he worked in the building. Oh, shit. So, uh, yeah. And then and then I got asked to leave by the school. So
0: what, how long are you there for? You
1: I think that was in April. So, yeah, So it was almost towards the end of the year. It was like seven months. So I did almost. Were a, you
2: doing good there, though, probably. before that?
0: I was,
1: you know, because it was be- all the whole track was like, you know, filmmaking, editing, screenwriting, Acting. I took my first. Uh, the first time I ever acted was at the school. So it was like the second semester, and um, again, like I didn't really see myself as being an yeah. actor. Did was, you
0: like it though? Like you enjoyed it?
1: Um, I think. I think I was more than I enjoyed it. I was good at it. And yeah. But you know, I it wasn't something I was really interested in. It, but I'm. You know, I've actually told this story before. But uh, the acting teacher. She was this woman, and I forget her name now, but she she was like a Broadway actress, and she was a very passionate uh, black woman from the Bronx, and she fucking tore everybody apart. We had to pick a monologue to do, and I picked Mickey Featherstone from... I didn't pick something that was in a movie already. I picked it from the Westies, the book The Westies. Mickey Featherstone okay. on the stand, and I was the last one to go in the class, and she tore everybody apart before she got to me. Like, you know, So she's like... Just berating people, and I was Damn. like, Oh, fuck. she's gonna hate my shit because I thought some <laughs> of the people were pretty good, yeah. And uh, you know, I did Mickey Featherstone on the, uh on the stand, and and she it was silent for a minute. And she goes, You see, now that's acting, wow. And I was like, Oh, shit. I guess I think, Damn. That. <laughs> but I never picked it up again. I, I, I left school, and at that point, I was going to uh, I, with my friend who we got in the fight together. Uh, he he put he signed me up for an open mic because now I'm rapping, right? So, so I'm in New York and I'm like, you know, it was a whole different world when I got there, man. Yeah, it was it was cool to do that shit, and there was ciphers and all that shit. And I, guru,
0: come from Boston, yeah, he did
1: one of my heroes, one of my heroes, and and uh so i was rhyming with joe and recording stuff in his dorm room and and uh and he signed me up for cypher now i had been writing rhymes for nine years and this is yeah. the first time i ever went on stage it was at the new eurekan poets cafe okay. in, in les and uh i was nervous as fuck. i would have never even signed up myself but he signed me up and they called me up and i was like
0: how old are you then like, tw- like 18 18 okay damn
1: and that was the first time i ever went on stage and i rocked it it was good so yeah, and that was the beginning. And after that, I just forgot about movies and acting. Wow, and ri- screenwriting and all that. And and uh, you know, I was also very heavily into drugs. Now that I'm in New York, now it was like everything is open all the time. Yeah. And and uh, you know, and I was and, and from then on, I was completely focused on making it as an
0: MC. And, and is this. Did you have your name saying? Because I know that uh, Caves and Lords of Brooklyn. Caves gave that, it yeah, to me. Nah, everybody,
1: everybody called me John Doe. So okay. from, from that era, sometimes I see people from New York still, they'll be like, yo, John Doe, it's what's kind of a, up? It's
0: kind of a hard name, though, man, John
1: Doe. But there were a few people. The reason it changed is because I think Busta Rhymes signed somebody named John Doe. There okay. was a John Doe on Diamond D's album Ooh. all around that time. So there was like a few different John Doe's. And mm. Caves, I had, I had, uh, this is a few years down the line, but I had started recording in the Lords of Brooklyn studio and uh i came in one day and caves had this design all drawn drawn up he goes this is your new name i was like what's that he's like it's an irish superhero slain you know sick so that's how they that's how i got my name because everybody called me john doe because i looked like i was dead Mm. because i was damn high all the time shout (laughs)
0: out to lords of brooklyn man lords of brooklyn man shout out to caves dude so, so, so you're, you're just grinding up until the, or the next thing, but the movie, but you're making music. Is the first music you make, is it the one, is it, um, uh, not special teams? Because your solo will be after that, right? So, special teams. Yeah, no,
1: there's a ton of stuff in between so that. So, when I'm in New stuff, York, dude. I'm going
0: out to, I'm going out, you know, the, I think the
1: part that people always forget about, and I think that a lot of young artists get cheated out of this now, right? Because okay. the internet makes it so that you can put your music out right away. So when totally. You, all that stuff I recorded in Joe's dorm room, the first time we ever went to a studio, the years that I was working out in Jamaica, Queens, and, and MC Shan was managing me.
0: MC Shan, I didn't even know that. Wow, yeah. dude, that's he, fucking so
1: awesome. So I met MC Shan at a... Um, at a studio, this dude Raynard's studio in in uh, Jamaica Queens, and we used to t- me and Damien used to take the the train out to Jamaica. We'd take a dollar van to the studio and record. And uh, there's dozens and dozens of songs from that era where I was finding, you know, because yeah. it's one thing to be writing rhymes uh, or getting up and doing an open mic. It's another. Yeah. It's another thing to record, yeah. right? And and you know there's such a process to that where it's like i remember taking uh like demos i guess they were at home and listening to them and be like fuck, i hate how my voice sounds or like why why do i have like a new york accent on this song (laughs) you know what i'm saying or you know just finding your own voice like it took me years to do that like so Mm. Before I ever put out the first thing that ever that I ever put out put out was the White Man Is a Devil Volume One. That was yep. a mixtape that I did, and that was ten years into my recording process. Wow! If I had put out any of the
0: other stuff, man, like oof. That's a great point to make, though. How much time you put in, into the craft and like your sound and your start, right? And that and that's so. There's ten years of writing before I ever
1: recorded anything. Then ten years of recording anything before I ever released anything. So that's like twenty
0: years in the books before I ever put anything out. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that, that that's the that's the mixtape first, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then um but the was the World with No Skis your first actual official album? World with No Skies.
1: World with um, No Skies. I
0: don't know why I said skis, sorry. So. Yeah,
1: and that came out like kinda that was after La Koca had already after got La together Koca, and yeah. all that. So that was already way down the line. I had put out a couple mixtapes before that. Yeah. I had like you know, a whole a whole lifetime of music before that
0: solo album got released. Yeah, but the Coca Project, I mean, that was fucking... Massive. It was massive, bro. It was the brand you could trust. Like, that, that was just... I loved all those songs, the record, everything you guys came out with, and then, like, it wasn't Everlast at first, and then he came in later. I remember that, right?
1: Yeah, so I mean... Because it was just
0: you, Lethal, and Danny at first, right?
1: Well, no, it was initially... Uh, so I met... Speaking of Seabees, I met Danny Boy at Seabees. Really? With Lords of Brooklyn, with okay. Caves from Lords of okay. Brooklyn. And, uh, and you know, Caves had told him about me and all that, and I met Danny there, and I was super disappointed that he was sober because, you know, th- 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 <laughs> when I saw him, I was like, I'm going to have a, a, a beer with yeah, Danny yeah, Boy yeah. from House of Pain, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And he was sober. I was bummed out about that. And then it was years, it was a few years after that where I linked up with Danny Boy. And um,
0: Ill Bill was in there, that's right, Il Bill.
1: Yeah, Ill Bill came, but in the very beginning of Lacoca it was, I came out and I was crashing on Danny's couch. Danny was not sober at th- that point. And... Um, I remember that. Yeah, I crashed on Danny's couch. He got me a production deal with DJ Lethal and I started recording with Lethal. And... Lethal had two other guys signed at the time. There was this kid named Optimus and there was a kid, the a lefty who. Oh, yeah, ended lefty, up, yeah, 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 big, big left. left, yeah, yeah. And he had us all signed to kind of solo deals, but I think like he ended up just putting us all together because it was easier and, you That's know. That's right, big
0: left wasn't there, right? That's right. Yeah, right.
1: so we had a group called, Le- I think it was called the Knockouts or something like that, the Knockout Kings or whatever it was. And, uh, we recorded like a 19 song demo tape and
0: 19 song demo. Yeah.
1: In a week. So I came out to LA wow. for a week and, uh, and, and, uh, we had a, we had a blast, man. I don't think I slept that whole week. Wow. And, um, but that was actually the beginning of what Lacoca was. Cause mm. you know, I'm coked out of my head. Danny boy calls over to the studio and he's asking lefty. Hey, how's it going over there? And Lefty's like, oh, it's going great. We got a regular Lucca Nostra over here, and he's like, yeah. If you guys don't chill out, they're gonna start calling you Lucca Nostra. Wow! And that was Fuck. that was how the the name of the group was born. Because then Danny started drawing up logos and all that. MySpace had just taking the yeah. world by storm right so everybody had like the best top eight friends and like a song <laughs> on their myspace page and danny boy made a La Nostra myspace page and he just put a bunch of logos on it and some of the demos that we had started to record gotcha and it was after that i'm can-
0: so good at marketing and artwork by the way shout out to danny boy man did the house of pain logo like his shit is vision it's yeah
1: fucking awesome man yeah that's my brother i love danny um so Danny kind of put all that stuff together and started, he, I mean, that was really built on on Danny's branding more than anything. We didn't have, Danny didn't like all the songs that we did with Lethal, like for lacoca So he would take some of the little freestyles or whatever and the hard shit. And when I came back to LA a little later, that's when, um, when kind of Bill came into the fold and Everlast and uh the kid Optimus was doing like some different stuff he was more of like a singer pop type Mm. type of dude um he rapped too he was dope really talented kid but he didn't kind of fit into that mold the same way
0: yeah yeah yeah.
1: and uh yeah so then we started i think i recorded something first with with everlast that was a solo track that ended up on the gone baby gone soundtrack oh wow and um And then he, I think it was those guys' first time seeing each other in years, right? Because maybe not Eric and Lethal, but definitely Danny and and Everlast hadn't seen each other in a while since House of Pain broke up. Yeah. And the vibe was good, and we were recording, and then it just kind of magically took shape. Yeah, I mean,
0: being a Boston kid, too, and... Were you a fan of House of Pain? They were my heroes. Wow. They were my
1: heroes. I had their posters on my wall. So it was cool. the first concert I ever went to. Was Damn, when really? I was 14, 15 years old, and I went and saw our, uh, Cypress, House of Pain, uh, The Hooligans, which was Alchemist yeah. and Scotty Khan. Yep, I remember where, that too. Actually. I, just, I just did a movie with Scotty Khan actually. Oh, I, really? I was telling him about that. And uh, I always forget
0: he was in there, man, too. And, f-
1: and Funk Dubious. Funk Dubious. Yeah. And that was the first hip-hop show I ever went to
0: wow so then working with them it's like holy shit now i'm working writing songs and it was incredible man it was incredible it was that it was they were literally i mean of course i
1: loved all the you know the legends of that era but you know i told you beastie boys was the first group that made me write a rhyme yeah and then house of pain you know especially in high school at that time where you know all the things that i'm into and and all that, and and you got this album that has the shamrock on the front cover. You turn it over, and they're in a bar room drinking beers. And I was like, <laughs> "This is me, yeah. This is me, yeah. This is my, this is these guys are, you know, wearing a Celtics jersey on the man. video. I mean,
0: such an East Coast vibe too. Man, I always thought they were from there before I knew them, like New York or Boston or something. You now,
1: yeah, and it was just like identification, man. I identified. I identified with that music, like it was. that was like something that we could really wave the flag with and feel good about it. You know what I mean?
0: So when the coca started happening, did, did you feel like you guys had something there? Like this was going to be some real thing or just something you were doing like a project? No, I thought it was going to be, to me it was massive. You know what I'm saying? Like
1: (laughs) you got to remember. So at this time, right? So so, you know, I would have, I, I would have different people who, who kind of engaged in some of the, the illegal trades, right, mm. so, so, that would back me back then. And, uh, you know, none of that, all that shit always went south, like, in a bad way. And uh, so when I started coming out to L.A., I was actually squatting in a warehouse at that time. Wow. We were gonna build a recording studio there. The kid who was funding it ended up getting pinched, and yeah. I stayed in that warehouse. I was living in that warehouse for eight months with no heat or hot water, and uh, and so but and then on the backdrop of that, Lethal's flying me out to Los Angeles, and I'm like in Hollywood, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and then start recording with these guys. So it was like
2: the it's duality worlds, of man. that man
1: you know what i'm saying it was just nuts like uh, yeah. i was i was f- so fucked up in the game you know i had already been in and out of detox and you know i was unemployable at that point and we was it, it, it was just like how are you it, surviving i was selling mixtapes i was selling coke i was you know doing whatever i could do to get by it, in we, that yeah. shit yeah and um yeah so the, and that's when everything kind of all started to happen so did i think it was just a project bro i thought that i found the holy grail and like <laughs> you know it, it it was like a dream world it, and yeah. then when you add in what happened right after that which was the boston herald did a story
0: yeah man, and ben affleck read it
1: and ben affleck's art and then i ended up getting the role and gone baby gone so yeah
0: you had like 60 missed phone calls and shit. you woke up you slept like two hours and it was like probably a call from him probably from the cat whoever the people the production right yeah casting casting director and yeah, cause you got and you got the call when you were working with the K- coconutser too that you got it actually right after all yeah, that yeah. you had like five auditions i did my deep ties bro um, yeah so you like that's a that's the craziest shit that ben affleck would read something about you i don't know how the fuck he got your phone number and they start hitting you up
1: well they hit up the Boston Herald and the writer who wrote oh, the story gosh. and all that and you know jamming ninety four point five all the radio state they they did the i mean when the when the when the when the studio movies want you bro like they fucking come and get you but it's like no it's
0: cold, cold, but that was, that he read something about you he didn't see anything he wasn't on the internet looking at videos of you rhyming he read something about you and like he it's it so cool. It, it didn't even exist yet. I it know, didn't it took even a exist. He took the chance with somebody they never even fucking met. There wasn't acted. was an actor. It's so cool, man. But
1: that was that movie though. That was yeah. Um, he fucking killed it, dude. Yeah. Gone was, baby gone. He cast. Excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> he cast so many people in that movie that were just authentic Boston people, and he was try, He was going for that. Like he wanted to get a movie that accurately depicted Boston as the backdrop for this story that this Dennis Lane book and yeah. he nailed it man it wasn't just me there's plenty of other other people he took off the street in that that were fucking amazing in that movie yeah and uh, it, but
0: still like where you were like you're like squatting in a warehouse you're going back forth to LA you like on the verge of anything you know what i mean you could have just totally crashed who knows you know what i'm saying like there was nothing guaranteed for you at that moment nothing do you know what i'm saying and, it was just
1: but that's i but i believed that it was all going to happen mm. before before it happened i believed like that that, that i put all, pushed all my chips into it cuz i thought that it was going to happen yeah. and i remember sitting in lethal's car and the, lethal had like a, a dope like silver bands and I'm you sure. know this is this is all foreign shit to me right yeah. so and he run he ran into we were driving through hollywood and he ran into a bank machine or whatever, and I remember looking up at the sun and just looking up at the sky and just crying because it was like, it's all happening. Yeah. It's all happening. Like, this guy who I'm in the car with is is somebody who jumped off of a poster from my wall. Yeah. And to go and do a movie with Ben Affleck, and, and I'll tell you, my life has continued to be surreal from them. I never... I never have gotten to a, like a jaded point with any of the shit. Like I'm always in awe, like all the time, like where it's like I can't believe this is my fucking life.
0: Yeah, what were you acting at that moment? Were we just focusing on music at that moment when they they uh, they got in touch with you? Were you doing stuff? Were you auditioning?
1: Well, D- Lacoca had started to kind of yeah, but you know, acting
0: as far as acting at that point, no, I t- damn, dude, I pushed it to the I, side. I
1: hadn't touched that shit in, in a decade by that Bro. point, right? So this is ten, eight. Nine years after I left film school, so I, I never even thought
0: about that again. It's fucking life changing, man. It's just crazy, like how that even happened. You know what I mean? Like you believed in you took a chance, and like. But
1: I was all in on the music even after that. So so there's an element to it where it's like getting the movie role was was amazing. It was spectacular, but I was so much more nervous, like being in the studio with like when Brio walked in the first time to do Fuck Tony Montana when mm-hmm. we were recording that song. And I remember. Being like, holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, I did a song with DJ Premier before that was Special Teams. And that oh, was like... That's huge too, You yeah. know, like, really having to mentally get yourself together. Because, like I said, these are the guys who were all... Like, I had Gangstar records and posters on yeah. my wall and House of Pain and yeah, man. Cypress Hill. I had the Cypress Hill blacklight posters and all that. So this was like my... My childhood, my like teenage, like bedroom wall coming to life, yeah, like in front of my eyes. So, when I got on the movie set, man, it was like it was cool, but it wasn't that, yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah. rappers were superheroes to me, mm-hmm. superheroes to me. It wasn't like you know what I mean, like, yeah, like Superman, Batman, and Spider Man just came, just walked into the <laughs> yeah. room, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, so to go into the movie set, it was like cool, you know, and Ben. When did you first meet him after that? The first audition. Wow. Yeah, first audition. I walked in shit-faced, too. I walked in drunk. I got good and drunk before I went in there. And I I did the audition, and uh, and they called me back in. And and I remember, like, he called me in a bunch of times. and I I think it was the final audition. Maybe it was the fourth audition. Yeah. And I was still reading off the paper, the lines off the paper. He goes, I want you to put that paper down. He goes, forget about the lines. He goes, "You know what happens in the story, right? So think about it like you're telling a story, mm. but you're the one in the story." Yeah. He goes, "Cuz I th- I know you can do it, but the, you know, some of the people that are making this movie they are a little nervous because you you uh you know, you've never acted before." Yeah. So show, let's see what you can do without the paper. And uh and I've been doing that ever since, really. Really. Yeah, like, instead, and, and I understood what he wanted. He's like, I want you to be, you know, like, you know this guy. You know these yeah. people. Like, you are these people. Like, just bring that into the And so you killed it on the paper? Yeah, right there. And, and then when I started to figure out what it was, it was like, oh, man. Like, you know, that became, like, very simple to me. And, and granted, like, for the first two movies I did, it was right in my wheelhouse. Like, you yeah, know, dude. it was like I could just... If if it wasn't something I did, it was something somebody I know did. And, yeah. you know, I could really kind of not think about too much external stuff and just be in the scene. And uh, it was a great education in that stuff.
0: Yeah. And that movie, like, <sighs> that movie gross, like, fucking, I don't know, 34 million or something. According to the interwebs, 34 million. It was a pretty big movie, man.
1: Well... Wasn't, it, wasn't as big as the town would be, but uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. The town, but town. does
0: this put you on the map in a sense when this comes out? Just eyes on you. Yeah, so I think, especially my, since my, you came on. I don't my know. My
1: life changed very drastically after that. You know, um my high school sweetheart I talked about before she kicked me, kicked me out, and we broke up. And I hadn't spoken to her in about a year and a half or whatever. And it was based on my drinking and drug use. Yeah. And, um, she came into the, so I had like food poisoning right around that time. And, and I called her to like, help me, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm in this warehouse and she comes over and she's in like, the warehouse. yeah, she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like, what are you you're living here? You're like staying here. And I, she was horrified. Right. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I just got in a movie. I just got, in a, you know, and she's like, what? Like she, she, it was beyond her, like yeah. any the stuff that happened. And, uh.
0: She'd so get yeah. in that movie and you're living in a warehouse. Yeah. The
2: Damn.
1: first day I went to the set was she was like, you can't stay here and then just go on to a movie set. So she rented a, a hotel for the night for us. And she took me to like a a CVS and got me a bunch of toiletries and all that. Oh my God. Because I can't take a regular shower in that place because there's no hot water. So like I would soap up and I'd jump under the freezing cold water and I'm like doing the fucking pee pee dance under it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But I have rashes all over my body and stuff like that. And um, so the first day I walked onto set, I walk onto set with like a little uh, trash bag full of toiletries. And the PA was like, you know... If you need anything, we can just get it for you. Like we can get all that stuff. You Mm. don't have to bring like your own. I was like, oh, all right.
0: Got the catering there and And shit. Oh, dude,
1: the catering is so good too. (laughs) I'm feasting. I'm like, you know, lobster tails and all that, which is not on every movie, but it was on that one. They had a great catering
0: service. Does anybody know your reality at that point? Like where you're actually coming from, where you're sleeping? Nobody really knows your situation. I don't think so. Wow. And you, and obviously, dude. Honestly, (laughs) what
1: at that time, like for me to tell that story, like it's a story that I've told often at this point, obviously. But in retrospect, it's a story. But in the moment, it ain't a fucking story. It's just somewhere that I'm crashing. Like that's just, you know what I mean? Like yeah. It was more like you know, like it. It all started off with good intentions. We were building a recording studio in that spot. It had like framework done. In fact, my mattress that I had tucked in the corner, I used to climb up a ladder on the f- framework and go to the mattress in the back because it was out of sight. So if somebody came in, like I wasn't paying to be there or anything, so I was like mm. in the back corner of the thing. If anybody see me, I could suss it out like from a yeah. bird's eye view. It, was, it, was, it wasn't like an odd thing to me at that point, oddly yeah. enough. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. like, I'm just doing what I got to do to get by right now. And I have this big thing that's about to happen, and I just got to hold on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, before I get in the movie, like, I got this thing. that I, I got a fucking pre-production deal with DJ Leto. Like it's my crazy, man. My shit is dope you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like that's where my mentality was was like it's only a matter of time my shit is dope i'm one of the best dudes there is at this shit i'm gonna make it like that's where my fucking head was
0: yeah i love that dude so you got the coke and now you're in this movie yeah you're signed with lethal and then now you're fucking doing a movie with ben affleck and then and then coke starts to really take off too you know now i don't know if you remember that's that coke time. Was the first single right uh i think it was that's coke it might have been yeah it's also a remix. Uh, no, 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 no! Fuck Tony, fuck Tony was Montana was the first
1: one that we dropped on MySpace, and it got a million plays in two days or something like that.
2: And wow! That, that's when I that was. She like, was
0: hard too. Damn, that was the first one. Fuck Tony Montana.
2: Yeah. Wow.
0: And then that. Well, yeah, that was 2009, I think. Right? No, but that that came out on
1: MySpace. So that album before came that. out in 2009, but if you remember, it took a long time for the album to come out. You're right. It did. We were actually doing that shit in 2006. That's when all the hype really started. Okay. That's when,
0: if you, I don't know. You were right, because it was a buzz. There were logos, there were t-shirts. Everywhere. before the album. Everywhere, b- the, the t-shirts. Right. So Were you in LA at that time? Yeah, and the hats with the L.A., the coca, yeah, all Yeah, and then shit. the New York one. Yeah, the yeah. coca with the L.A. hats with the coca on it. It was great it. marketing, the, man, didn't you? Dude, yeah,
1: we right. were crushing it with merch, That's and right, everybody dude. was rocking that shit. Way like, before the album. Way before the album. So As strong. a matter of fact, in, in hindsight, I, I know we all probably wish we dropped the album then. We would have fucking sold way more, right? And the album yeah. still did well, but I mean, we for that, in 2006, 2007, it was like, in hindsight, like, Strike While the Iron's hot. It was massive. Like, it was yeah. so big at that time. Who
0: put the record out? It came
1: out, it ended up coming out on Suburban Noise.
0: That's right, okay. Yeah, because there's a song, um, I'm an American, with Be Real. And mm-hmm. there's like, Bang Bang with Snoop Dogg. With Snoop
1: Dogg, which is huge. on I- I mean when I look at the streaming numbers for the for that La record, it's crazy. That song Bang Bang has like almost twenty million streams or something. And that record came that record came out like five years before streaming even existed. Yeah. So when you think about it in those terms, it's like, man.
0: Yeah. Well, so the response for that was it what did you did you expect it to be bigger? Were you happy with the oster, or did you want it to be last longer? Or you got too busy yeah. with acting and stuff?
1: No, I mean look, I to me my number one priority was, was Lacoca. Yeah. My number one priority was hip hop. I turned down some movie roles in retrospect that that uh you know, because we had tours and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh but, you know, it all is what it is, man. Yeah. And and, and it was all fucking magic with that stuff. Of course I wished it was you know, I wish we rode off into the sunset with it and all <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. But uh
0: we did some great tours on I mean, and great shows,
1: yeah, and you know that was the only record that that Everlast was on, but you know we made a great follow up record too, masters of the dark arts that's right, and yeah, uh, man. I mean i when I got to town, we had a tour and um and i and i told I remember calling the guys it was hard because we had a big European tour, we were doing really well at the time too, yeah, and I remember call, having to call everybody and be like, "I can't do the tour, I got a movie role, you know and it was like it it didn't go over well you know what i mean (laughs) yeah and uh but at the end of the day everybody gave me that blessing and and they went and did the tour without me yeah and that was uh, that was also life-changing man i mean even to this day like probably what i'm most well known for is that movie
0: yes and were you doing stuff in between before leading up to the town doing more acting or you too I wasn't. Yeah, I, you I, I thought it might
1: just be a one off. Like yeah. I didn't I wasn't in the union yet. I didn't have a okay. I didn't have an agent or anything like that. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Yeah. Maybe Ben will call me again. Or, <laughs>
0: yeah. You just went back to the warehouse back working on music. No, but
1: by that point, so so ladies I back. got back I got back with with um, with my high school sweetheart, it's amazing. Yeah, and we got married, she and we came and rescued. And we you. had rescue uh, you. she rescued me, which was like the theme, which was the problem, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and we and we uh, we got married, and we had a little boy, and you know, so that warehouse shit was in the past. And now, at this stage of the game, I was making a good living. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we did very well. like go out on the road, and the, you know. And the movie stuff started to happen. And, uh, you know, I, w- I went from being in that situation I was in to living a upper middle class lifestyle. Wow. How old's your son now? He's 14 now. Damn.
0: It's crazy. We're going to get to that later, but yeah, this, it goes by fast, man, having kids, man. It's, it's so it's, scary, it's, man. It really is because, like, we're getting older and our kids are grown, And then, like, not to be more, I mean, but how we talk about, like, we see our age, we see their age, we see, like, you know, you start seeing, like, the future of your life and what's next, and then you want to be there forever for your kids, and you know what I'm saying? Like, fuck. How was the audition for the town? Did you really have to do a lot of auditions because of the previous with Ben?
1: No. Uh, well, I did one audition for that, and here's how it went. <laughs> I, so at this point, I knew uh, the casting people, right? So, Were
0: I, you sobered up by then or no? No, Damn, no, bro. It's crazy so, you're killing all this shit and not being sober, by the way. Well, I'm very functional. I'm not promoting When I'm, I, when it I'm
1: drinking and getting high, I mean, here's why. It it gets rid of any fear, insecurity, or any doubt yeah. that I have. And I can, th- when I was saying, like, I think I'm the fucking dopest. Like, I believe this is going to happen. The booze and the drugs makes me fee- be capable of that. Because okay. when, I, when you take those away, then now I'm left with my overactive mind and yeah. the self-doubt and the insecurity and, and the... And the little kid who lives inside of me who says you're not fucking good enough or yeah, whatever yeah. the voice is that says yeah, that, right? Totally. That's why I drink and get high because it makes that feeling go away. And now I feel like anything is possible and I can fucking do it, mm-hmm. right? Like it's yeah. courage. G- yeah. It gave me courage when I needed it at that time. So Confident at, and all that, yeah. At that time, when I went in for that audition, I had been tipped off by somebody in the casting office that, that Ben might not think that I'm right to play a Charlestown guy, you know, because I think he viewed me as like a a, a hip-hop artist or whatever, and Charlestown's not that. Charlestown is like like the kids I knew growing up from Charlestown, they listened to like Morrissey. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't want anything to do with like black music in in that era, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm not saying it's like that right now. Sometimes you say something like that. I'm sure it's way different. People take it out of pocket, but yeah. Yeah, at that time, I think it was just like, I was—I don't think he saw me as that character. So I went into that audition thinking like, I need to do something here that's like really gonna live, breathe in that, live in that world right there. So, yeah. you know, the line was, uh, I'm just trying to make this sound authentic. Yeah. And so in the audition, I went and I said, nah, you have got it all fucked up. I'm trying to make this shit sound authenticious. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and they all fucking started laughing, right? And that's how I got the role. I did one audition for it.
0: Wow, man. So he's there too. Yeah,
1: he liked me as an actor, obviously, anyways. Like, he discovered me, man. He, I know, like, he, dude. he picked me out. I love Ben Affleck so much, man. Like, he is a good dude, a, a great fucking guy, and an incredible artist, man. I And I want to say that because I think. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves as being a great artist. He's a great... Like, when you look at... Forget about the stuff that I'm in. Argo. You know, when have you ever seen a movie win Best Picture and the director doesn't get nominated as Best Director? It doesn't even get nominated. Like, what the fuck is that? That, I mean, I think he's he's really a brilliant storyteller and it gets overlooked a lot.
0: Yeah, and it's crazy how... He saw something in you did, did, before he met you, just by reading about you, and believed in you. And he was right. You're you're a talented actor, and you killed it. And you and you stepped up to the plate, and you, and then you got after that. Just showed that you could. I don't know. I think it's awesome, man. Like you, fucking, it's really cool. I'm eternally grateful
1: to that man for for seeing that in me and pulling that out of me. And then you know my life changed from that. Like,
0: was he coaching you during the movie and stuff?
1: not like Ben told me if you ever take an acting class I'll never hire you again (laughs) (laughs) which I which I held true to for a long time but I I decided against that a few years back Uh, Mm. but
0: uh, did you feel pressure doing the town after what we just did with him before nah I felt cool as a fan going on for some
1: reason man you know know what you know what I'm when I'm nervous and on camera is doing rap videos Mm. because i feel very awkward like mouthing. rapping to a camera yeah. mouth than the words i hate it i fucking hate <laughs> it <laughs> it is weird recently like i've tried to incorporate like if the legend of the fall video which i'm very uh proud of it's a, something off my last record and it's more acting yeah where i walk into the diner and i ultimately like meet myself and i'm like okay, airing, yeah. airing I up my grievances to myself i like that because i'm acting and i'm not like looking at the camera to rap like i'm in a scene, I enjoy that. Like, yeah. there's something that's to me. I feel very natural. I never feel intimidated. I never feel self-conscious because I'm another character. Yeah. Right. I never have to be like, oh, does my hair look right, or do I look fucking fat, or whatever, mm-hmm. You know, th- because the freedom in it is, it's not me. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm in a different character right now. <laughs> yeah. In the. In the. In the moment. This. All I have to do is get into this moment. And be this person in this moment, and react how this person would react, and feel how this person would feel, and it's like reality melts away, and I could just be in this moment, and I fucking love it. It's like yeah. there's something that's like really free about. I was gonna it.
0: say freeing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, do you, do you start taking just as much as seriousness as as, as rhyming and writing and emceeing with the town, starting then about acting. You start focusing more on that. You just kind of just. Doing no, whatever. not even man. You were tripping on it.
1: I, I wasn't tripping on it because, I mean, to an extent, like the first eight auditions I did, I got six of them, and I would blow them off too, man. Like I, I would get auditions and I wouldn't show up, and like, and they would like call and be like, "Where, where is he? Can he come in tomorrow?" You know what I yeah. mean? Which is fucking like. <laughs> I would never do that now. I don't, it, you know, and and I'm surprised they would even call the guy and sometimes I would get the role despite blowing the audition off, come in, reading it off the paper and I'd still
0: get the fucking role. Wow.
1: Which reversed, by the way. But, uh...
0: <laughs> do you automatically get a manager and an agent too, right?
1: No, no. It was even after that. I mean, dude, I, th- I think for like a guy of my type and especially at that time, I was like probably sixty pounds heavier than I am now. And like it wasn't like I was a twenty two year old, like handsome, square jawed, like potential fucking superstar. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? It was like there wasn't people beating down my door to represent me. But I did end mm-hmm. up getting um represented at ICM for a little while. I've I've been in and out of different situations like that. None of them have really paid huge dividends for me. Mostly everything I've ever got has been the same where they reach out to me. Yeah. And they want me for something. I I've never really had a ton of success in like going and doing a ton of auditions and like working the circuit. And I did that after I got sober for a while. Like very seriously. I was like, all right, now I'm gonna I'm really gonna give this my focus and I'm gonna go super hard. Yeah. And I went over a hundred in auditions when I did that. Yeah. When I wanted it and I fucking needed it, it fucking ran away from me. When I chased it, it ran.
0: Mm. I remember you came out to Hollywood, too, right? You were super focused on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, did the town totally change your life? In a sense, it's putting your name out there and... In a
1: lot of ways. In a lot of ways, it did. Um, in good ways. In in a lot of good ways. And it still has a positive effect on my life. I mean, a lot of... it it It's, it's given me... Uh, between La Koca and particularly the town, I'm not... You know, definitely... A, a, I think I've done like 15 movies now. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I... I love, in general, acting, but there's certain things that obviously, like, give you a a different platform. So I think the town and the coca really probably gave me, like, whatever platform I have now, which is still very humble, man. uh, You know, it's not like... I I really have had, like, a blue-collar career. It's not like... (laughs) I'm a movie star, or a huge rap star, or whatever. Like I, I have a, f- a following that I appreciate, yeah. that I'm eternally grateful for. I've gotten to be part of some very cool fucking things, and I just try to stay in that gratitude, man. Because when I chase it or I think I need like I need this fucking next thing, it's like, no, you don't. You don't need anything. Yeah, you, know I mean? you need to be a good father to your son. You need to be a good friend to your friends. That's all you fucking really need, right? Yeah. Like, just fucking be a good dude. Like, whatever comes, comes. I don't chase the shit
0: anymore. Man. Yeah, I love that. We, plus you're in a totally different place now, which you will get to. It was riding everything in your life. Um, but the town go is number one the box office, which is fucking crazy. And there was like a ensemble cast award too for that, right? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Oh, and man. I
1: mean, in that moment, right? So.
0: Ninety-two million, supposedly, and hundred fifty-four million worldwide, or something. Like yeah, so.
1: and I mean, pff, bro, at this point, everybody's seen that shit. It's Does like,
0: that work for you, like royalties and stuff like that, or no? Did yeah. You, so
1: any movie you do, you get four residual checks every year. You get quarterly earnings. Sick. So, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that one's done pretty well. Yeah, that's well. really. I mean,
0: it's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. I was always wondered that.
1: I mean, there's movies where you get like a dollar sixty-eight, like or yeah. whatever, and then there's other ones. Yeah, really fucking well, you know. I so. had Drea
0: from Sopranos on here, and she got no money from the Sopranos from it being in syndication,
2: but they got <sighs> money from DVDs.
0: That. But uh, James Genofini gave each a check for thirty k, brought him into his trailer when the DVD came out for Sopranos, and it sold like a million copies the first week. So he took care of them, you know. It's crazy, man, how he, that works. He
1: was a good dude, man. I yeah, got you t- got to
0: work with him. I know I saw that, too. I yeah. didn't get to... Technically, I didn't get but to work with him. We were he in the went. same... And yeah. then I
1: met him afterwards, and he was just... Boom, right really, there,
0: killing himself. Yeah.
1: Really good dude. With
0: Leota, too. Did you get to work with him? Yeah. Him? Well,
1: I worked directly with, with Leota, and I you know, I put his head through a window. Yeah.
0: yeah. Killing himself? Yeah. Damn. My wife loves sent me a picture in the hallway. She thinks he's so hot. I'm like... Now that... <laughs>
1: that was the first time I was ever starstruck okay. on a movie set. Because he came over, he's like, dude, what are you, what are you, you fucking that. rapping? You're a rapper, huh? Let me hear you rap. Go ahead, rap. And I was like, my tongue fucking swelled up in my throat. I couldn't even speak, dude. I was like, wow. fucking Ray Liotta. Yeah.
0: You know? is, he, is he like intense in real life and shit? <clears throat> yeah, he's
1: like, he's like a, you know, rest in peace to Ray Liotta. Yeah, yeah man. man. James Gandolfini. Really, I know,
0: uh, dude. So without work with Ray Liotta, without was like, the, Holy the,
1: And the other thing is Gandolfini is my hero. Like, especially in the acting stuff, man. I love James Gandolfini. He's like. And, and Leota, too. So, like, those guys I hear. Talk about superheroes. Those were superheroes to me. Yeah. You
0: know? How about Gandolfini's first movie, True Romance, dude? Oh, my God, bro. I love True Romance. Yo. That scene, like, that's like his first, pretty much, role, I think, with Patricia Arquette. It was an incredible. I scene. think that's
1: why I like him so much, too, because his career prior to the Sopranos looked a lot like mine. Mm. You know what I mean? It's uh you know, he he makes the most of these these uh the, he has principal roles, but they're smaller roles. They're roles that highlight the other roles and, and yeah to I I think like to really like own those parts and like make those memorable, that's like a that's a thing, man, that I really I'm, that I really admire about him and have tried to do in my own work, you know?
0: Yeah, it was crazy seeing him in some other movies like, maybe when the last movies he did, it was, like, a love story, kind of, like, seeing him not as Tony Soprano. It was it's so hard to, like, separate the two because Sopranos was such an incredible
1: show, it's man. It's a gift and the curse, right? Like, when you're on something that's that iconic and that memorable, you become that character to everybody, right? Yeah. So, like people see you as that character. It's the power of media. Mm. I mean, people have... So, after The Town came out, it changed my life in this way. Like, La coca was popping. Yeah. And being a... a a white kid a white Irish kid from Boston in a group with House of Pain and in these iconic Boston movies. Yeah. Like, life got uncomfortable and weird for a little while there. You know what I mean? At home and I wasn't used to that because Boston uh there's an element where, you know, I moved around to all these different neighborhoods and, and I always kinda of felt like an outsider even though I wasn't technically i think a lot of that was my my alcoholism and yeah. addiction my mind that told Paranoia me about it maybe right and but if but i but i now felt like different then because people would stop and people would come up to me humans, right? or people yeah. would want to fight me or people would, you know whatever but it was like it became very surreal for a moment there you know and i was like i don't like this i don't like the i don't like to be singled out or pointed at or you know the. yeah the, that, that wasn't really that was my first taste of fame i guess yeah
0: yeah, yeah. and yeah. do you move out where you live into a different spot neighborhood and well stuff? that's
1: when i was really coming back and forth to la a lot mm-hmm. more and and uh you know i was going through a divorce and um i was really
0: kind of spiraling into my addiction at that time too it's crazy, even with both those movies and the music and everything, like it it shows you the power of addiction, the power of all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter if you're having a this success. You got a lady, you got a kid, like that stuff is like it's in you, you know what I'm saying? Like it's really Yeah, I mean I was I was a,
1: a drug addict and an alcoholic who was in and out of detox before any of that happened. So that is not gonna make it any better because you're taking that same kid and now giving him you know, they got money too. You got the means to drink and get high, however you want to. And you know, I, I could justify it like I'm fucking successful. I'm not like my friends that are dying and going to jail. That's and you're not, still
0: getting your roles, and you still make your music. It's not. It's like it's not affecting my life because I'm still working, right? That's well, that was the illusion. That,
1: yeah,
0: that's what it felt like. Fuck so so you so now you're back into the music after that the, after the town comes out right it's back in the, the coca and everything right yeah and um you know that but was you did other movies too the cape the body approved bad blood movie two movies with grillo little dixie and wheel man we love grillo man I yeah saw I, you love Frank. The other night. I saw him the other night i know yeah. i saw that i love that dude well the reality of it man is um like well, sorry to cut you off, but after that is it People start hitting you up for roles. Is it? But you're saying no because also then, like you said, you're like the white Irish kid in both these movies from Boston. You're in a hip hop group, like kind of stereotyped as this one kind of character.
1: Yeah, and I and I think on Killing Them Softly, I was re, I was going through a divorce. I went down there. I was good in that movie, and um, and uh, I think after that though, like it became difficult because I think I inadvertent what I didn't know because nobody tells you is that i may have burned some things to the ground with the way that i acted um not on set i was never i was never a problem for anybody on set or anything like that but i think my reputation started to speak for itself with the drinking with the drug use with the you know some of that stuff and i think uh it took me a long time after that like to really be sought after for anything
0: it seems like it's coming around this year oddly enough but uh did you but not realize at that moment because you're, you're in it, right? You're still partying, and doing that You're not thinking it has any effect on you. But it really was. I mean, like your I, reputation.
1: Yeah, I wasn't thinking about it from that aspect, nor did I give a fuck. I <laughs> actually thought that it was more. Uh, I thought I needed that shit to be able to do anything, to be creative. Confidence, all that shit I needed it. Like, I didn't even know how to fucking tie my sneakers sober. It's funny. I, re- I remember talking to your wife at a, at a show. And I was in a bad way, and I don't remember all the details of the conversation, but I remember being really, like, in a deep depression talking to her about how I can't get off of drugs and alcohol. I remember, wow. I, I just remember that when I saw her walk by in the hallway. Oh, by shit. Benford. But, Damn. yeah, man. So, I mean, I, uh, I never thought it wasn't a problem. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know how to live without it.
0: Yeah. It's heavy, man. That's, like, uh, real-life shit, even especially having a child, too, and, and still trying to maintain and be responsible, you know what I'm saying? Be be a, a dad and and balance your career too. Doing it doing it all. Yeah.
1: And feeling like uh it it was uh yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a lot, man. Are you going to rehab too? Do you go to rehab again after the town or after that stuff?
1: I never technically went to rehab. Well, I hit right? rock like, bottom or something. Yeah, or that? The, the, yeah. So so I was sober for the longest I'd ever been when I was shooting the town, seventy-seven days. That was the yeah. longest I'd ever been sober before. I knew it was like a massive opportunity. I couldn't fuck it up, and uh, but I, right at the end of that, I relapsed and uh, went on another run, and then, fuck. you know, I I got divorced, and then I was really drinking and getting high with a vengeance because now I could fucking do what I want to do without hearing her. Mm-hmm. you know barking at me or whatever because that had gotten you know
0: was a, she had your back the whole time it seems like
1: dude I, it's one of my biggest <sighs> it's one of my biggest uh, it's i can't say it's a regret now because i um because i believe that everything happened the way it was supposed to happen yeah and, and i needed it to happen i wouldn't have got sober if it wasn't for the events that happened after that and uh and i'm super like you know it's It's like a real, to me it's like a, I uh, have like such a sense of love for her and happiness that she has been able to remarry and have other children. Oh, she has, okay. Yeah, and like, you know, her kids call me Uncle George and like, you know, we're we're friends and her husband's a great guy, he's a great stepdad to my son. Like, to be able to experience that and be grateful for that is like, to me, that's like really the the biggest kind of uh landmark in my recovery is that okay. i'm capable of that because i was not capable of that kind of gratitude or that kind of um i don't know what the word is that i i maybe that kind of selflessness you yeah. know what i mean like because yeah. i was selfish and i was egoic and i was fucking angry and you know i was like a little kid in a grown man's body yeah i wasn't capable of some of the things that that i am now you know yeah
0: like this Emotion and feelings and talking about shit, and communication, right, and all that, right? Because you keep it all up inside, and you're kind of running from yourself in a way, too, right? they're Also, at the same time, getting, getting in front of yourself, right? Kind of blocking your whole shit, right? Yeah, I mean, I think like getting away yourself.
1: The the, so. the understanding that like all of this shit is meant, you know, th- the experience of life, the pain, the trials and tribulations, the love, the great times, the. The amazing shit. I mean, it's all part of the same fucking thing. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. It's all meant to be. It's all part of the fucking story. We need it all.
0: Yeah. You know? How long are you sober now for? I'm coming up on nine years in March. Holy shit. That's incredible, man. Because I remember running at you a bunch of times throughout the years. Sober, not sober, working out, trimmed down, working on movies, all that. You know what I'm saying? The different versions of you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, but, you, but you, but it wasn't like you... you you weren't giving up on yourself. You kept trying to, you know what I'm saying, make it, make a change for yourself. You know, yeah, it's that's the, incredible, it's, man. Nine years, bro. Holy it's shit! The sh- it's
1: the struggle. It's the battle, and and you know the Fuck. the. And I'm not perfect. You know what I'm saying? No, like I perfect. struggle Nobody. with a lot of fucking things. Still, <laughs> you know, I make mistakes, and now I, now I don't have booze and drugs to blame them on. And yeah, uh, but you know, I I show up, man. I show up, and I give my best effort with everything.
0: And then even writing lyrics, sober. Or reading scripts over it and shit like that because you never, cause you never did that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, That's a whole and, new version of you. I mean, the
1: journey with acting, man. I feel like you know, right now I'm kind of at like a second shot with this because, yeah. uh, you know, I uh, I've been acting like semi consistently over the years. Yeah. But, but I I'm uh, I got four movies in the last six months and like I'm getting to do some really cool things and work with some cool people and. Got some projects I'm looking forward to working on in the future. and that's Awesome, man. So, I mean, that's... But I had to let go of it for it to come back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And did you, did you lose agents and managers and all that shit throughout all that? All of it. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. All
1: of it. And I walked away from it. And uh, I walked away from it. And I just started... At the beginning of the pandemic, I canceled all the touring. We had to, right? Yeah, we had I, to. I had like 35 shows <laughs> that got canceled. And... <laughs> and i was home for the first time i had just moved back to boston i was living by coastally for 10 years yeah. i fly back and forth to la but i was home and i just started going out and speaking and i would go to uh sober livings and speak and tell my story and connect with people and halfway the hard the first time and detoxes no i had been doing that since i got sober but now i was really doing it because now it's the pandemic and yeah, i was weird. like you know, the you really to focus Zoom meetings weren't cutting it. And a friend of mine who was running a treatment center, he, uh, he had asked me when I was going through a really hard time about six months before the p- pandemic to come out and speak. So I went out and spoke at his place and then he was like, you should run some groups, man. Like you're really good in that room. And, uh, so I started like teaching like about step work and some of the things and highlighting some of my experience and breaking stuff down on the board. Must have came from my parents being teachers, right? But yeah. oh, I yeah, found huh? like a real passion in that. And it's also like I'm used to being on stage totally. and to addressing people or act, whatever it is. But it's still
0: different though. It's got to be different. It is, that. but yeah. it,
1: but it's very natural for me to get up and talk to yeah, a group yeah. of people and especially about something that I care about. So yeah. so I started doing that and then you know the pandemic came he's like hey man why don't you join the team and I, and I was like I'm busy I got torn and, and then the uh, the pandemic came yeah. so I ended up doing that and working with him and I'm running groups three times a week and and uh, over the course of that time because I knew nothing about like the treatment industry or how it worked yeah. or anything and I started to learn that the good the bad and the ugly right yeah and, and uh you know I was kind of one of those things where the universe presents these things, and and yeah. I and I uh, I linked up and met with some guys that I had known for a while, uh, local guys who are like developers and di- different backgrounds, yeah, uh, clinicians and uh, real estate guys and all that, and you know they were talking about being interested in opening what I thought would make a great uh, facility, like yeah, a detox and.
0: Charles River recovery.
1: And that's how it started and uh yeah. So cool, man. So I when you talk about like the most unlikely shit, I never would <laughs> yeah. have th- they if you talk about 10 years ago me being like part of the creation process of a uh, of a detox and clinical stabilization facility. I mean, it's 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 also in network, which means like uh we take we take the the Mass Health State Insurance, we take the You know, the goal is. It's. I've learned a lot about this. It's a lot of work to get it all in place. Yeah, I'm sure. But we do have in-network contracts with. Most of the bigger insurance providers. So like, I'm able to really help and get a lot of people in.
2: Like, yeah, it's amazing. So it's not
1: like what I learned is a lot of these places are very elite and high end, and like if you don't have the premium insurance, you can't get in. And that's not this. Okay. So and that was part of what I highlighted when I was talking with them. Like if if you could do something that was somehow could service a greater part of the population, because people would hit me up, and I was like and i would find resources for everybody but the 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 less resources they have the more difficult it gets totally so i tried to familiarize myself over the course of that two years of really the pandemic and the world shutting down with what every place is in massachusetts specifically although i got a, a network that extends across the country now but to look into like what each place fucking takes what each what so that anybody who reaches out to me for help yeah that i can find a resource that's going to suit their situation whether they have no insurance whether they have state insurance whatever it is everybody i need to be equipped with with the knowledge and the tools to be able to find a place for anybody who reaches out to me yeah i love that and that started because like just doing my own recovery thing i'd be like hey if you need if 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 you need help like when i was one year sober reach out to me and i'll point you in the right direction and then people started hitting me the up DM and i was like UNT, yeah. oh fuck what do you do with somebody who has like a primary mental health disorder or what do you do with somebody who's a lot. this or that and then i just, and i'm calling people so this is how how it kind of evolved Calling people, realizing I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, how the fuck can I help this guy? Like, I said, I said I could help somebody, but how do I do it? Yeah. It's like, well, dude, you fucking said you could help someone, so figure it out and find out and learn and meet these fucking people who get these resources and these funds that give scholarships to people and these sober livings that take people in these situations. Yeah. yeah. And this, that, and the third. And then, to, so now coming up on nine years, it's like, I got that together now so. and
0: have a team.
1: And all that stuff in place, man. So that's it's like
0: beautiful, man. It's gotta feel really great, man. It's a cool thing to be able to do, man. To be in a, to be sober for nine years and helping people, like it's it's awesome, man. That's the key. Yeah, but you've been helping people too through your music, people that love your music and everything you put out. It helps people as well. But this is some other level of giving and sharing and inspiring and leading by example and right, like. Well, it's also like my community. Yeah. It's where I'm from, and it's like. It's, you know, it's the
1: these are the people that gave me my platform. These are you know, like when we were selling those mixtapes, man. I was selling those mixtapes. It's almost like an amends because I was writing about the drug culture in Boston as an active participant in it. Mm. The first fifty CDs that I printed up, we gave them. We gave a stack to. To a bunch of different drug dealers, and if you sold, if you wanted a forty bag of coke, you it was fifty dollars, and you had to take the CD. Wow! So we sold thirteen thousand CDs like that. And these, <laughs> so this drug culture that was in Boston gave me my platform. Mm. So now this is like, Great. this is how I can give back and reach in and and. And try to get people out of it to the other side, man. Because yeah. I lost
0: a lot of people behind that shit. I lost a lot of my dear friends. Wow, that that's crazy. You flip it, Think about it like that. There, there wasn't no one moment nine years ago like a rock bottom where you felt like oh, it was dude. over for you, like life. Oh, a hundred
1: percent. Oh, did you ask me a rock bottom and I and I glanced over that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, like a moment. I don't know. In the in the life of an addict and an alcoholic we experienced thousands of rock bottoms yeah emotional rock bottoms financial rock bottoms personal rock bottoms and what none of it was ever enough to wake me up none Mm. of the deaths none of the almost fucking things that almost happened none of the emergency room visits none of the almost overdose too I I got dropped off at uh, Mass General, uh, not Mass General Brigham and Women's Hospital, and left in the front door. And I had a series of small heart attacks. Uh, they told me I had a series of heart attacks when I was 23 years old.
2: Holy shit! And dude. left
1: the emergency room to go get high again the next day. Wow, man. The uh, but I think like what did it for me? And I've talked. I've I've actually. T- it's so much more comfortable for me to talk about stuff in music. Like I, I have always kind of reserved this stuff for speaking in the halls and the rooms that I go to and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it was, it was the, it was the moment I realized that it was affecting my son. I I left him waiting on the steps for me. It's heavy, man. Yeah. And he told his mother, mommy, daddy tricked us again. And that sentence, Oh
2: man. <clears throat>
0: It, made me emo on my own Yeah, that's yeah, that moment, man. I it, I feel you on that. It shit. Broke my heart in a yeah. way in a
1: way that I can't even describe how badly it broke my heart, you know. And that was like what gave me and I didn't get sober right then cuz I drank and got high over that feeling. And I uh I came back to LA. And I knew like going to the program doesn't work for me cuz I tried it a thousand times and it never worked. And I was like I'm just going to smoke weed and that doesn't work for it's like me. The California neither. sober they call it. it <laughs> <Yeah. like we, laughs> uh, doesn't work bin. for me neither. And I actually went to a Madball show. I think it was February twenty eighth, two thousand fourteen. It was down. Um, what's that place down in, uh, in Southern Cali? Uh,
0: I forget. It's here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's. downtown. No, no, no.
1: It's in. It's in. Uh, down south, uh, like an hour south from here. Chain uh, reaction. Conservatory. Conservatory, observatory. Yeah, observatory. Maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Maybe that was what it was. Yeah, and, that's it, probably yeah.
1: And I got through that show without drinking, but I had like one beer at the end of the night, and that's enough to set me off because I was like, "Fuck it." And then I went on a three-day bender after that, and uh, and that was it. That was the last time that I ever drank. I went to a I went to a meeting at the Comedy Store on Sunset. It was Danny Boy's meeting. Danny had tried to help me get sober thousand times
0: sure man shout out to Danny boy again man And,
1: and it was the first time i went in there hopeless like where i thought this doesn't work it's not gonna work for me i've tried this a million times and it doesn't work but i didn't know where else to go i had nowhere else to go and i was fucking heartbroken and i thought i was a piece of shit as a human being and i thought i was a piece of shit as a father and but i but i loved my son so much and i still do obviously um but i loved him so much that i was like i need to try to do this again
0: for him yeah
1: and they say like you you, can't, you gotta do it for yourself you can't you can't get sober for someone else that's bullshit yeah because i didn't fucking love myself enough to get sober for myself i i loved my son more than enough to to it it gave me the willingness to do the work right so i yeah. just dove into the program and I started doing it a day at a fucking time, man. And it was fucking hard. Yeah. It was hard. Did your
0: son know you were doing it?
1: No, he was too young. He was five. The, okay, be- okay, the okay. beauty of it is that he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember that. He doesn't remember what happened. He doesn't yeah. Remember. And I thank. That is, that is beautiful. Thank the universe. Unless he's that. listening
0: to the podcast right now. But no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean? Like, wow. He rem- he remembers me like this now. Yeah. It's, fuck, man. It's so cool. Whole new dad, man. Yeah. Human. You must feel amazing, right? You must feel amazing with life now. It's like a whole new world for you. Nine years is a long fucking time, dude. I got
1: to I got to raise him and watch him grow up and be there for all the good stuff, man, and for all the important moments, I hope. And uh and he got to watch me learn how to be a dad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you must it's, it's, you're in it seems like you're in a good place. I'm happy, man. Yeah. I'm
1: happy and I'm healthy and uh you know I gotta I, I gratitude is the foundation for all abundance and i am filled with gratitude every day i'm grateful for for the friends that i have i'm grateful for the the experiences that i've had the good and the bad i'm great yeah. i'm grateful i have an abundance of love and friendship in my life and i i get opportunities to do cool stuff yeah. but, but the best thing about the music and the movies and all that stuff is not like any sort of fame or money it's brought my way. Although I, I am grateful that I've been able to provide a life for my family. Yeah, uh, man. But the the best thing about it has been the relationships and the friendships and the different people that I've met from different backgrounds and sure. cultures and c- different creativity and the talented people. And just, there's so much
0: life. Yeah.
1: There's so much life that I've gotten to experience, you know?
0: Yeah. Do you feel like a totally new person being sober?
1: I feel that you know
0: now I just feel
1: like me but I I remember <laughs> I remember when I was like 6 months sober feeling like somebody had dropped me into somebody else's life like whose fucking life is this like mm. like cuz my whole shit was built by a drug addict. Yeah. Yeah. My whole life was designed by a fucking active alcoholic and drug addict and now uh, and now I, you drop me in and it's like I don't have any coping skills. I don't have any way to navigate life. My only way to navigate life was booze and drugs, and now I got to figure it out. And I got to unsort this mess that this dude caused. Mm. And it's overwhelming. Like the, I didn't pay my taxes for fucking seven years. <laughs> like, I mean,
0: dude, all the grown-up shit. Yeah, yeah, to walk
1: in and have to like become a fucking man. Adult. Like, and it's like I feel like I got to do this overnight. And they told mm. me, No, you don't. You just have to do it one day at a fucking time you just gotta do it today don't drink or use today don't hurt anybody today suit up and show up for what you're supposed to show up for yeah and it will get better over time oh it's fucking brutal because every day in the beginning no now it's not now it's not hard but in the beginning it was fucking brutal yeah i can't imagine man because i don't know how to show up for life i don't know how to do anything sober i don't know face how to face things
0: sober and shit yeah i don't know how
1: to talk to people you know what i'm saying i don't know how to interact i don't know how to do any of that sober Is it changing beginning. your writing skills too you're writing well that was the other thing is i i, I couldn't write mm. for the first time i never had writer's block ever and now i can't write and i'm in the studio and i'm like fuck if i had a drink you know? It's great, yeah. I need to take a sniff of something right now. I need something. Mm. I need something. I can't write anything. This sucks. Fucking sucks. Fuck. In the booth, headphones on. Do it again. Bring it back. Bring it back. Do it again. Fucking sucks. Fucking sucks. Leave the fucking studio. Wow. You know? I hate it. I hate it. This hey. sucks. This fucking, this verse sucks. This music You know what I mean? And then I'm listening to it on the car ride going, it's actually pretty good. It's not that bad. <laughs>
0: And, and so, different things to sing about too, and talk about too.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing. Now I'm like a year in, and I'm doing all my old songs, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. fuck, what the fuck? Now, nah, dude, when I when we I I did uh, the Cypress shows with, Ill Bill, yeah. uh, about a month ago. And I was struck by how fucking different, how different I am now. And I said it to Bill. I go, dude, we're fucking different now. <laughs> Like, we say some crazy shit in these songs. And, and Bill said something really profound to me. And I'm paraphrasing it. But I, he said, uh, but that's the beauty of it, bro. These are time capsules. Mm. You're not beholden to that person forever. He goes, as a so matter true. of fact, it's a cautionary tale. And it tells people that you can make it out the other side. You don't mm. have to die like
0: that. Wow. That's that's amazing, man. So real. mm Shout out to Ill Bill, too, man. Another incredible MC. I got the nonfiction fucking box. right now. I noticed here.
1: that right when I sat down. Um, I love Bill.
0: Are, are both your parents still around? Yes. Okay. And did you ever reconnect with your dad ever? No, no. Wow. Do you think he knows anything? Ab- I'm sure yeah, he's looked no, you up. I, no, I,
1: no, he he does. I mean, I know where he is and everything. I just I uh, I haven't. I don't speak with is him. Is he sober?
0: Uh,
1: yeah. My father didn't have a drug and alcohol okay. problem. And, and i'm tight with my mother
0: and you know she's gotta be so proud man Seeing all the different versions of you and
1: yeah my mom you know like my mom uh she is a creative also so i think like i don't know she doesn't i don't
0: think she really loves my music but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but she knows it's helping you it's very therapeutic all the shit you're doing I feel like music pretty much saved you too, in a sense too, regardless of the path you on as far as. Hundred percent. Well, it I mean? almost killed me too, but it. it definitely... Yeah.
1: It's de- so so the writer's block stuff like, three years into my sobriety, I was like, it's never coming back. Like mm-hmm. I'm never gonna have the creativity back until I realized like, this shit is in me. The universe doesn't give you, a talent to go to lie dormant and not be used. I just needed to. I just needed to rebalance my life. Like. Yeah. I think. I think I needed to be shown that that shit isn't important. That what's really important is you know the fatherhood stuff because that, yeah, that first three years of my sobriety, and I, and I continue to do this, but was really a living amends. Like I needed to show up on time when I say I'm gonna be there. I needed to show up and be there for my boy. You yeah. know? And I needed, to, I needed to make an amends to his mother and that wasn't like an apology. Because yeah. my
0: apology means nothing.
1: It's like changed action, man.
0: Yeah, actions speak louder. You got to
1: apologize fuck, a million times. Change the way you are. Change the way you act. Suit up and show up. Do what you say you're going to do. Like, I needed to do all that. Those were the things I was missing. I thought I was the exception of the rule and everything. Mm. I thought I was, like, fucking special and that I could do whatever the fuck I want to do and that, you know, I should be treated differently. Yeah. and it's that's very humbling getting sober, too. I'm sure all that, right? Nobody aspires to humility in life. Nobody's like, I want to get up and grow up and be humble. Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. if you're doing it the right way, life will fucking humble you. Mm-hmm. It'll humble all of us. Yeah, totally. It fucking smacks you in the head. It, it says, look, you know? Yeah. It fucking shows you like, and if you're digesting things the right way, you should find humility. If, you, if you're a 75-year-old guy with no humility, you have failed. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Cause like, no, it's true.
1: It ain't about you. It's not it ain't about me.
0: It, it it's all part of the whole, man. Like we're just Yeah. Everybody's doing the best they can with the tools they got. hundred percent. I'm happy to see you're doing great and you have so much shit going on. You have something with like Edie Brolin coming out too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You know Edie Brolin Brolin, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's awesome. Her dude, Josh, she's, the pops.
1: she's in the movie that I posted about the other night. I know, I
0: saw that. I wrote it down also. She was she was in Yellowstone too, which is another fucking I love Yellowstone. Epic fucking sh- dude. It's such a great show. It's like Sons of Anarchy or something with cowboys. It's like, dude, it's... It's, yeah, just it's, re-
1: it's really well written, man. Really like, well written. Uh, Taylor Sheridan, is that the guy's name who wrote it?
0: I'm not sure his name. It's but the-
1: excellent. But I remember my girl was watching it, and I fell asleep in the first episode. and Cage I was man. like, you, you could just watch this one without me, and she's like... She was like, uh, okay. And so she's, I'm, I come home, and she's in the third season, and I was like, this is fucking good. Yeah, she's like, really. you want to watch it again from the beginning? I was like, you're already three seasons in. She's like, I'll watch it again from the beginning. So it's, I did. I watched it,
0: and it's fucking awesome. New season's out right now, too. I know. But,
2: but Eden's not
1: in this one, no, right?
0: No, no. But the movie's Candyland, right? That's Candyland. The one. That's the one. So John January Swab.
1: Six. So John, uh, he really has kept me working for a long time, man, and he gives me cool roles to play, like... You know, you talked about getting typecast into that Boston criminal type of thing. John, like, (laughs) John early on started pegging me for, uh, you know, uh, Let Me Make You a Motto with Marilyn Manson. And I play like a hillbilly who's like a meth dealer and live in a trailer and all that. So he's he's given me great roles to do. So John, I met John when he was 24. He's made 10 movies now. He's 34. Wow. So this Candyland, he has three movies coming out before June this year. Wow. So that uh Candyland one. Yeah. Uh Little Dixie and One Day as a Lion they all Little Dixie's
0: with Grillo too, right? Yeah. They, okay.
1: They all come out uh before June. All before
0: also the reason why I mentioned this next movie because I always talk about it or Rapaport talked about it on here how you could be in like in a really, really big movie and have like a split second scene and you can and your residuals and stuff on that could be Bigger than anything you've ever done because you were in Central Intelligence, right? In 2016. <laughs> yeah. But the cast is like Bobby Brown, Jason Bateman, Aaron Paul, Dwayne Johnson, obviously, Kevin Hart. It's a crazy cast, and you're in there, and you weren't even in there. Wasn't it? It, was, it was Thugged Out was you right? You're Thugged yeah, Out. Yeah, <laughs> it,
1: it's the smallest role I've ever taken. But didn't the, you get your royalties probably? I did, but the, the reason I took that role, dude, is my son was a huge wrestling fan so at cool. that time, and I was like, that's The Rock, because I remember, I remember getting the offer and being like, Thugged Out, a, bar room, like a little barroom scene. I was like, I feel like I shouldn't take this, and I was like- <laughs> well it's with the rock and dude it shot over July 4th weekend It was three days that one scene and i ended up doing well financially on that like the residual check the <laughs> the power of the rock and kevin hart man i mean that movie made, that movie made a lot of money
0: that's a rap rap was in our uh, will smith click and there was like a small scene and we talked about how like just those small things like that just was speaking can end up being something crazy down the line you know what i mean like and those
1: big movies if the movies are a hit the, you know and you're on you're on the books for that the residual checks can be nice
0: um I, d- I don't want to forget like also like special che- special teams you had with Jason and fucking Ed O G and the Bulldogs who I loved I got to have it Dude, I yep. remember loving his shit when he came out man like such a legend yeah man that he was got to uh, work him. that's cool and
1: that was early that was even prior to the Coco Nostra yeah so. yeah You
0: had stereotypes that was like a, the name of the album stereotypes, stereotypes. yeah yeah in two thousand seven and that Plus was the, the first time tape. I
1: got to work with DJ Premier. so I've done three, oh, wow. three tracks with Primo but yeah that was the first time I went in the studio with Primo
0: <laughs> and you're part of Soul Assassins as well. Am I? You no. them no. no, I think, you know, those are all my guys.
1: I'm not yeah. like officially part of Soul Assassins. But, yeah, I, th- but you- I, I think like that, uh, I'm kind of like a, my style was birthed from that whole movement. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And so those guys have definitely mentored me.
0: And then uh, obviously the Boston Project, people can look up. Uh, the devil never dies. The king of everything else, slain is dead. All that stuff. People can find all that online.
1: All your music, right? Yeah, all on all on uh, the streaming apps.
0: And you got like hip hop artist of the year and then Boston Music Awards. Yeah, that was cool. That's cool, man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at all you stuff. The 99 Balls is a great song from that too, right? Yeah. Um, and then you also did like the. Past I
1: still end my sets with that song.
0: Oh, you do? Yeah,
1: because I mean, it's a big song. It's it a drinking a song. song. Yeah, but I kind of, you know, because I I still do like the old songs. Of course, you man, know, it's so, part of your
0: life. <coughs> but right?
1: I, but I, yeah, exactly. So, but then I also have like the the stuff that's kind of on the vibe that I'm at now. So I mix it together and with the, at the end, like I used to always have a drink before I did that song, and now mm. I, you know I just hold up a water. My name's Slain. I'm an alcoholic. I can't have a drink with you tonight, but if you drink, go ahead have, wow. one, have one for me you know that's fucking awesome man
0: yeah. so you can still do it and still play those songs and still fucking yeah people like, still drink and have fun you know um and then as of 2021 you had a movie called the things we can't forgive right that came out that was an album the things oh, was? we can't forgive oh yeah. fuck my bad my bad that was the last record you put out right? yeah so uh one one day it day was 2019
1: one day and the things we can't forgive are my last two albums i think that my best work okay I think like if you're if you're listening now, I know I'm probably more well known for the early stuff, like for, for my solo stuff, anyways. I think uh, you know, One Day is a great album to start with in my catalog. If you've never okay.
0: heard my music. Bad. I have my notes mixed up, but yeah, okay, that was the last one, okay. But you might go back in
1: time and listen to the early shit and be like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs>
0: He's a fucking lunatic. you go back and listen to that stuff ever? Yeah,
1: sometimes it's hard, man. I mean, sometimes, wow. you know, th- look, I'm proud of all that work, but there's times where I hear myself slurring and I can hear like the booze and the drugs and the Xanax and all and. You know, and some of the things I'm saying, like you know, the, the time capsules, it, yeah. it was who I was then, totally. But I'm just not that guy anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. some of that stuff, like it's, it makes me cringe. Does to, it triggered you to play some of those songs, or you think about it or not? Uh, I mean, there's some I would never play. The ones ah. I'm talking about that make me cringe, I would never play anymore. Okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah the yeah. stuff where it's like, you know, damn. Like, I would never speak that way anymore. You know, there's, like, yeah. slurs I've used in the past that I would never... Th- the current version of myself would never say some of those things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's, for, for better or worse, that time capsules. Do you still
0: pay attention to, like, new hip-hop coming out and stuff? You have an ear to the street, in a sense? Uh, not really.
1: I mean, I do. I do. Like, I, I, I love music and I listen to music. But, like, as far as, like, what's popping right now, I... I that's like a turn off to me. Anything like the oh this is what's relevant right now. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just out of that. Like I, I actually list I you know what I check for is the people that I work with and the people that I respect mm-hmm. on a personal level, artists that I'm you know, like yeah. I'll always check out like anything obviously that Bill's putting out or Vinnie Paz or yeah. Sick Jackin or you know, like Cyprus yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like I, I I love to listen to my friends work.
0: Yeah. But you are you fan of like Bigger artists like Cole, like Kendrick, or I,
1: I, I got Kendrick's last record. I, I definitely I like J. Cole. I don't know if I'm a fan. Like I don't know I, when I consider a fan is like if I know all the words and I yeah, like yeah. oh play this one. Yeah. So I don't uh, with those guys. I'm not a fan like that. But I'll tell you what with Ken, with Cole, like his stuff is amazing. He's amazing, an incredible dude. MC. I love him. Kendrick. His music is not something that I cruise around and listen to. I more digest it like art. Like I, I our, this new album is an art piece. Yeah, hundred percent. I dude. listen to. I listen to the album, and I'm like, I don't know if I would really rock this album on a regular basis. But some of the stuff he's doing is really I'm amazing. Talking about it's amazing. You. Like it's his his technical ability is amazing. I love like his inflection, and I like the different voices and layers he yeah. uses, and his wordplay is amazing. And you know the beat selection is like very off and odd <laughs> for me, you know. But but I appreciate the way that He's he, a put, poet though, man. he puts like, it together. Yeah, I give him the utmost respect. Definitely a top tier kind of MC. Yeah, just not my cup of tea necessarily as far as like driving around,
0: rocking. Yeah, yeah. We went and saw him this year. Like this, <laughs> we saw him on this recent tour It was incredible. My son loves him, but I feel like this this newer record's way more adult, way more deep, talking about you know, molestation talk about his auntie had had um, sex changes, all kinds of stuff when there, uh, cheating on his wife. Like it's really, yeah, it's, it's a, it's which, a grown man record and, yeah, and, really and a mature, deep. a
1: mature artist too. Like I really respect him as an artist, Yeah, but I don't, I don't drive around and knock it. Yeah. You know?
0: It's not, it's not some really like boom bap kind of beats or anything like that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. different. Um, what about like top five for you. Is it, is that a hard question?
1: It's always changing. I mean, look, yeah, yeah, that's
0: what people say. I think, I think, um,
1: it's probably like a uniform top five, which is why I hate to say it, you know, but uh, it's also very difficult to narrow it down to five. It's better if it's like 10, but I guess I would say like, you know, what are the factors that we're putting into it? Like, because when I think of top five, it's not just like lyrical ability or voice. It's also like uh, impact of the records uh, longevity point. And, and like how somebody's impacted the culture. Cause I could tell you 10 underground guys that are some of the most amazing MCs that I've ever heard that are maybe even better than some of the top five guys mm. on a technical ability, but they don't have the impact.
0: Gotcha. You know what
1: I mean? Like, If you don't have the impact on the culture as a whole in America, can you still be a top five MC? Like, what are the qualifications of this? Great question, man. Because the only way that Tupac makes my top five, and I, I, I love Tupac's work, and I grew up listening to his shit. And I think, especially considering he was 24 when he died. Damn. Right. That he had that much work and what he could have been even past that. I mean, yeah. he could have been like a Denzel Washington kind of actor, man. And like, yeah. who knows what his catalog looks like if he lives even another five years. True. But if you if you count Impact into it, then he is a top five MC. If you don't, I would probably have more in my
0: top 20 or 25. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So it's like, what are the qualifications for this? This I, is my first time asking an MC about a top five, which is awesome you're breaking it down great though ice cube to me ice
1: cube to me is never mentioned true but he wrote some of the greatest hip-hop albums ever made right he was the most dominant mc on the planet from 91 to 93 true he transitioned it into this 30-year career where he's an actor and he does all these things and he has juice in hollywood too i mean like he's He's his voice, his delivery, his rawness. I mean, the embodiment
0: of him. I mean, he's potentially a top five all time guy that never gets mentioned. It's a great point. Predator, Lethal Injection, Fuck America's Most Wanted. Um, what's this one more? Those are all those records are incredible solo albums, dude. I think Jay Z, um, uh, has to be in any top five based on
1: all the information, right? So, lyrical ability, storytelling, voice, flow, uh longevity, uh classic albums. Impact. And the the other thing that puts him in the top spot to me is he's an ambassador for hip hop music. He's the if you had to embody the story of hip hop and what it means into one person, that's Jay Z. He's the American dream. From Marcy Projects to the Wall Street boardrooms, yeah. billion billion dollar enterprise. Marries the you know the number one he marries Madonna basically you <laughs> yeah, know what I'm saying yeah. like you're talking about like s- drug dealer to you know corporate billionaire it's crazy man yeah it, I mean and to still be able to articulate everything that it all means in a way that's um not that he's safe because I think it would be it would be difficult to kind of brand Jay Z as safe like a Will Smith or somebody mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. but he is he is um a very articulate and well-versed speaker and thinker right so he can he could sit with anybody and break down the way th- what it all means how it works with with any kind of philosophy in life yeah and that is what makes him number 1 to me okay i think um i love that he's in my top 5 you know I think I think you gotta at this stage of the game you gotta put him in that top five just because what he's been able to accomplish you talk about impact and relevance and all those things, but also the technical ability and and the you know the way he puts words together, the storytelling the ability to do kind of comedy and tragedy, yeah, and I think the embodiment of artists always ask me like. How do I become a professional artist? And so, well, very little of it has to do with you. You know, you have to kind of. It has to be bigger than you. Mm-hmm. You have to embody something that means something to people. Like, you know, for when we talk about with my stuff, like I embodied what that Boston drug culture was at that time, yeah, and what was going on in that city at that time. And then I had these vehicles that kind of put that in the light, and that's what gave me a career. Is it's never been about me. Mm-hmm. It's never been about George or Slain, right? Yeah. It's about what's going on in this place, and you know, maybe it limited me in a certain way because it's too dark or whatever or yeah. in underground. But it also gave me a platform, and that's what it was. It's not me. It's it's yeah, bigger yeah. than me. Yeah. And I think yeah. on a larger level, why Eminem became so big and impactful is not just his ability and his talent, which is immense and it's in and of itself, but also the fact. That he embodied so many things in American culture at the same time, whether it was domestic violence, single, single parent household, drug addiction, and um, to do that race, right, all yeah. this stuff, right, and he, he brought it up to the homophobia, he yeah, brought man. all this shit up to the front, yeah. and made America look at itself, through his lens. True. And he did it in a ver in a comedy way. Like a lot of people forget that. Eminem was funny. Like he loves, fucking man. he was a jo- in the beginning I thought, Oh, this is a joke. He was the it, first video, how my name you th- is. Yeah, you yeah. thought it was a spoof. It could have been Weird Al Yankovic and totally. you never heard another song from him ever since. And then That's when he point. came after that, it was like, Whoa, this is not Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, right? yeah, like yeah. this guy is fucking He's an assassin.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's an assassin, yeah. Right?
1: And so I think like, but the embodiment of all those things, it would be very difficult, you know, and people either love Eminem, I hate Eminem, I think in the past of my career I've always tried not to talk about Eminem because when you're a white <laughs> rapper you just get compared to him all the time. Mm-hmm. He's, he's so big like you get compared to him all the time. So it's like I'm just not going to talk about Eminem. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <Yeah. know? laughs> yeah. but, but I think you have to put him. How do you not? He sold like 150 million records. Yeah. He's made classic albums. He's one of the most skilled and gifted lyricists to ever touch a mic by all accounts. How do you not? Like yeah. how can you it's 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 almost like to disclude him is um you have to be a hater,
2: yeah you know what I mean so or true, it's, or
1: hold something against him because of so one of the aforementioned reasons why he became so massive, yeah, you know, you don't like that he you don't like that he was homophobic or you, you he was too cartoony or too much of a mm-hmm. joke or yeah, but he was this, or that it's like dude, at the end of the day you can't deny it. Like, yeah. you know, if, if we're including impact and all those things, technical mm-hmm. ability, storytelling, like, th- that's why I say it's very important to list what are the credentials to make this top five list? Is yeah. it just your favorite? Is yeah. it like, who's who's the closest to the original kind of b-boy style that it came from? Yeah. Or are we talking about this whole thing like from classic records, voice, flow? Wordplay, impact, impact yeah, storytelling, yeah. all that. Because how would you not include Jay Z and Eminem have to be in that? They have yeah,
0: 100%. to. 100%. I uh, just saw something come out the other day. Rapport was talking about it online. Somebody's like the, the best top 10 white rappers or something like that. And they're saying you have to, obviously, Eminem's number one on that, but who are the rest? You know, it was, it was going around the other day, but. I uh, saw it. It was like a joke list, uh, it looked like, though. It has like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, some, do you know
1: the ice uh, on there or something? Is a gazelle? yeah, How do you yeah, say, yeah. say her name?
0: Oh, no, <laughs> I, I don't even know, but I think Vanilla Ice or something. I don't know. I don't know. I loved their base growing up too, man. Yeah, Search is a good dude too. Yeah, I always loved that. I always up their base. So you got Jay Z and Eminem. Obviously, Guru is in there for you though. I don't know if
1: is top five for me. I, but, but look, five. You know, we still have like Rakim. Oh yeah, and, Rakim and Nas top. KRS. And,
0: you know. Nas, damn! It's very
1: difficult. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. how do you how do you put a f- top five together? It's you know to me, it's like ten is still stretching it.
0: And then those are my Eminem and uh, Jay Z, definitely my top. But obviously, Nas, Rockham, Karis, one I'd probably be happy with that for me five. Yeah, but there's so many others like Guru you said, Q-Tip, so many. Well, man. th- well,
1: that's why I say like you know, good, yeah, if you're I not including impact, like Tupac is down twenty twenty five for true. me Biggie. because there's just so many. Yeah, Biggie like. You know, G-Rap. Who you rap yeah, who G-Rap. I mean, Busta Rhymes, a lot of people sleep on. I, I wouldn't necessarily put him in my top five, but, like, if, have you ever seen him perform, I man? saw him the a, night with the Wu-Tang. This he is 25 hits in a row.
0: He stole the show. It was Wu-Tang, Nas, and Buster, and Nas is my favorite. And out of the whole night, Nas was the least energy, and Buster came out in the middle of the whole entire show and destroyed the whole crowd. And like you said, 30 minutes of all bangers, man. We, I can I cannot believe it man yeah. I've and never seen him live thing. Th- he's
1: so great live I've seen him live several times Bro. And that's why I know I'm like oh, I mean you can't Well that's another piece Are we including live performance? I know Because then some hip hop is not good live Maybe Nas seen. is out of the top five If we're including live performance Like I think M and J Are both top notch performers I think You know I've seen Nas perform A bunch of times he's, he's good But he's not great Like I wouldn't include him In like the top 20 acts I've ever seen Tribe live Tribe was great
0: live Holy
1: awesome, shit, life. yeah. Yeah, and then are we up. talk? Are we talking groups too? Ooh, because Bob if we're just G. talking like single solo MCs, that's a little different. Because what, what about Cypress Hill, dude? Ooh, Cypress I mean, Hill. Cypress Hill—you could talk about impact, longevity, originality, True. uniqueness, voice, all that stuff. I mean, Be Real is incredible, dude. I know.
0: You never get their props, the proper stuff. I don't think they get mentioned enough. You know what I mean? I agree. Is it because they have big hits? Because they had rock star? Because they're mainstream? Because where they came from and how they started was, I don't know, just so hardcore punk to me. Them filming their video at Astro Place in New York, their whole look, everything, the griminess, his voice, well, I stage think, diving,
2: all that shit. You
1: know what, though? Like, So you get less credibility as a lyricist when you're in a group because mm-hmm. a group plays much better when it's voices that mix well together it's a little simpler and easy to digest it's more about the brand and the lifestyle right these are all kind yeah. of it's not like super wordy and the verses are shorter right because you get right into like rowdy hooks and yeah all that stuff and you so you could say the same thing by the way about like uh beasties Ooh. or uh wu-tang M-O-P? well wu-tang is kind of the aberration to that because wu-tang is about like big long verses and, and all that but I think like a lot of groups like it lends itself to MOP like it, yeah. just to a better vibe if it's more like it meshes and True. that's equally as skilled by the way that you don't have to like rhyme a thousand words to be a great I'll use Prodigy as an example Prodigy is one of the greatest writers in hip hop of all time, but he never did anything that was blah, 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 nah. wordplay. It was it was cold. It was fierce. It was brutal. It fit right in the cut, and it was memorable.
0: And it's he said things in a way that nobody else would say things. That's a good point. How about there's no there's no tribe without five too like Q-tip and five together. Incredible man.
1: Well the the complimentary version of that. It's mm-hmm. the same thing like when you talk about uh Be Real and Sin and how great they sound and how how iconic they sound. And that all started yeah. too with Public Enemy where you got where you got Chuck D and Flavor Flav and Incredible. the way their voices go together. I've actually heard uh Cypress talk about how they were designed to be the inverse of public enemy, mm. right? So where you had the It makes sense the Asha. high pitch with the yeah. frontman and the and the baritone with yeah. the with the
0: hype man, the Public Enemy too, man. Fuck.
1: There's just so much
0: great hip hop, man. Just so much, man. Even like, I like I like uh, Leaders of the New School. I saw them back in the day when, when uh, Buster Rhymes was in there. KMD. There's so many groups from back then. There's so many Fuchsnickins. I know it's kind of weird. Lord of the Underground. Naughty by Nature. Tretch. Tretch. He's sick too, though. You you could say if you <laughs> listen, you could say that Tretch.
1: Tretch is one of the greatest. He had he had all that stuff, the hits and everything. But he's in a group, right? So it's True. A, he also doesn't get put in that same light because he's from a group. Mm-hmm. That fo- that's exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, but, but he heavily influenced Jay Z. If you listen to Tretch and then Jay Z, early Jay Z back to back, you go, oh, interesting. This, is, this sounds a lot. This sounds similar. But never gets Redman, dude. Red nobody Man.
0: puts Redman in their shit. I love that Eminem always speaks about Redman. All those records are incredible, bro.
1: Yeah. And then the Wu-Tang guys, they're all in their own right. Could be up there, man. I mean, Raekwon, Jizza, Method Man. You know, we forget over time, but Method Man is what drew everybody to Wu-Tang early on. He was the star of the group. Dude. No
0: question. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because on this recent tour, he wasn't at some of the shows. So I saw a video he posted saying, this is the first time in my life at 52 years old. I have another option. I'm in Columbia doing a movie. So if you go see Wu Tang out there, don't be mad at me. Be happy for me. But people were bummed he wasn't there. I went to the Hollywood Palladium show. Mary J. Blige came out and did All I Need, but he wasn't there. She did it Was she did they did the song, but she but she was there without him or something. In the middle of the set, he comes on stage and almost got goosebumps telling me the whole crowd goes fucking crazy for Method Man. He does it, all of his singles, and then Mary J. Blige comes back out. They do All I Need it was phenomenal bro and he, he's a superstar and I, there was some energy on stage that I read about later but RZA was on the stage standing in the back and he kept looking back on you see this you see this you see this love you see this energy because who knows what the politics are of that situation but he was showing him like yo I, I, I am important because people do forget about method man yeah. do you know what I'm saying like actor he has this album's with red man but when he came out you felt his presence He's a great frontman. He sounded amazing. He's always going in the crowd, Redman. It was this. He was like a superhero. He's all fucking jacked.
1: Yeah, I know like, it, 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 see him. I see him online doing all the, the yeah, workouts. But it, He's ripped. He's but, it's shredded. A, but
0: it's like you said, like people kind of forgot, like when he came out with his solo record, man. He was like the like the sex symbol. He was like the one that people, girls loved him. He had the ballads, all this shit. Like, don't sleep on Method Man, because. He is an incredible MC as Yo, well. Yo, but he was
1: the grimy one before yeah. the Mary J. Blige stuff and it's all that true. too. And his voice, like dude. Yeah. Back then when Method Man was just on a song doing a hook, it was like it's all you could wait for was Method Man. Where's Method- oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's flow, he everything. was on Biggie's album on Ready to Die. And like I mean Yeah. But he's also never put on that top ten list. And it's because I think like, the group thing. The group thing. Yeah. And also, like he—he he also like he's very much more about like his flow and his delivery. His lyrics are still great, but I think people don't take him as seriously as like a Cool G rap or a Nas or whoever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I don't know why, but he's—he's he's incredible. He's one of the great. It's just—it's too hard to make a top
0: five. It is, man. We're done with this top five shit. Well, <laughs> Raekwon and Ghost together. I saw them recently. That was incredible. Them two together, their chemistry is fucking amazing. But both those records are awesome. And I love how like Ghostface, he had his face covered when they first came out and nobody's really fucking with him and everybody had their solo records. When he came came out last with all those other records, man, Supreme Clientele, just all those records, he became like, like, where you been this whole time? You know what I'm saying? Like he came out and fucking shined, bro. And
1: he's so unique. Like he's so much different. The way he puts words together, his flows, like they don't land on the right spots. (laughs) But they are, it is the right spot, but it's not like, how how everybody else does it but he's
0: like his swag their style his whole package is just even now they're in their 50s you know what i mean still like sagging just the whole vibe on stage is them together it's just it's just they still sound
1: great man it's funny because i talk about this with with archetype when i was making the things we can't forgive and basically it's about it's about it's about childhood trauma it's about Heartbreak and loss and addiction and love addiction and it's sexy, probably but,
0: very therapeutic if you put that record out well, all that shit I, been I mean
1: it got me through the most difficult time of my sobriety and super important But I remember I was just making it to get through and I yeah, and I I asked the archetype who's my Basically my partner in music at this point like we do every I record everything with him. He's he's my primary producer and my Confidant when it comes yeah. to music um, and I was like man my fan's going to listen to this record i don't I don't know if we should even put this out like <laughs> yeah, it's just so much different and and he made a great point, and it's something we've talked about a lot actually. He's like, you know, for the first time, hip hop has grown up, like you have guys who are fifty years old who grew up on hip hop music, yes, what's more awkward and what would be weirder is for you to be doing the music you did twenty years ago now,
0: sing about the same shit
1: like you fans and the people who've they've grown, grown too. It. And they want stuff that relates to them now. And it's, it's... Great point. We, for the first time, have like... I don't know. I don't want to use the word contemporary, but
0: like... That's what they call a 444 record, though. JC was like contemporary hip-hop. was like adult shit. Yeah. His apology and all that bro, stuff. Bro, yeah. and that's...
1: That, so when you ask, like, do I get my ear to the street now? No. Because, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because, and, you know, some of the artists who are younger artists, I think the same thing I s- said about Kendrick. Like... They're dope They're great technical ability But What the 18 year old kid Is going through And talking about On this record Like Not for nothing But I moved past Some of that shit About fucking 20 years ago You know what I mean It's like I'm not digesting that in a way that's like true relevant to me. Yeah. And I get why they why kids might love it or whatever. And, yeah. and cool. That's your wave right now. Like It's why which, people loved
0: you back then when you were singing about it as well.
1: Exactly. So yeah. it's but now, like what I am interested in listening to and hearing about it's, is is a different kind of content of course because you're a different person and now and now we have the we support that you know what i mean like the spotify unwrapped came out the other day i'm sure you saw it yeah i didn't put out anything last year my fucking channel has like 14 million i saw that i saw that not not one new song last year you know that's
0: incredible man
2: so i saw that people
0: people live with it people make your music part of their lives you know it's re- that was really fucking awesome, too, man. You probably psyched them. That, that's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, and
1: it's all relative, right? Because we I have know. friends where you look at it and you go, holy shit, dude. Like, that, my friend, uh, so Lou, Louis Bell, he produced most of A World With No Skies, uh, most of The King of Everything Else, all of the Boston Project, except for one song, maybe. So he's gone on to, he produces all of Post Malone's records. Yeah. And he produces uh, Bruno Mars. Damn. and katie perry and Jeez. camilla cabello and uh justin bieber and i saw his spotify <laughs> around, and wrapped and it's 6.6 billion streams wow. and i was like 14 Damn. million is you
0: know yeah but think about it. your is <laughs> super like still pretty underground yeah no doubt <laughs>
1: i'm like, just saying well, it's all relative right it you, is. Look, you can look around and comparison is the the, <laughs> the thief of enjoyment right but uh but I, again, I'm very grateful to have people that. If you told me years ago that my that I, my music would be streamed a hundred million times, if you told me when I was oh. 15, I'd be like, "What?
0: It's fucking crazy." You know, it's still crazy now, though. It's like that's a lot.
1: Yeah, and it's like it's it's you're connected to all these people around the world that you don't even know.
0: I know, and and you and you and you're inspiring people and helping people too. You know what I mean? As much as it's helping you, like. Music saved your life and very therapeutic. It saved a lot of people's lives, you know? You too, brother. Yeah. And so that, you, yeah. Well, you've, been, you've been on that PMA before me. Trust me. <laughs> I see you. Thank you, man. I, you said Post Malone. I just saw Post Malone last week for the first time. It was really great. He played guitar, acoustic songs. He sang. He's awesome. He's drinking and smoking the whole time, yeah. but he's like performing and like slapping everybody five. It was a beautiful show. I did not do it, know what to expect. Me and my wife went. Shout out to Adam Gross. He got us into the show. And yeah, man, it was a great
1: kid, dude, dude.
0: And he knows a lot about punk and metal and hardcore and this other music and just seeing him strum his guitar and sing the whole crowd, sing all the work. It was really beautiful, man. I had, he has so many bangers. I didn't realize like eight or nine songs that I fucking knew. And it was this great show, man. It's just him out there by himself and like that Hollywood bleeding. song is amazing. Uh, uh, Is that acoustic one? No, no, no. Okay. It's,
1: it's, uh, uh, I
0: don't know. It's a newer one or no?
1: No, it's off the, not this album, the one before. Okay.
0: So I'm in tune
1: with that because Lou produced it. So I've, I've hung out with Post a few times okay. and all that. Seems he's really cool and humble. Great, great fucking kid. I've never seen somebody so comfortable in their own skin. Okay. And like when you see that kind of success happen too, like, he's a good human, like a gentle, seems like it, gentle, dude. nice kid. He's like happy and like, I don't know, he's just having a good time. Know it, it, seems it's, like it feels it. good to see somebody have that success who like, is a good dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he kept
0: thanking the crowd all night. Like he was just like, "Yeah, it was really nice." He seems genuine. You've
1: been out here for a while, so you see the good, the bad, and everything in totally. between, right? So you see people it's like, oh God." You yeah, know? and he's not that. <laughs> like he's 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 like a sweet kid.
0: And he lives in Utah or something now. Yeah, like he's not even from out here. Like he wasn't down with the LA life and shit. Like. It's cool, man. It was really, it was awesome. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, I, I like when oh, I he's used to super like it. talented too, yeah, man. Like bro. you can
1: fucking sing his ass and off. He play guitar too. Yeah.
0: Um. Well, we already we ran through this part, but you have no regrets, really, huh?
1: I. I mean, I think you know. Of course, I. Of course, if I could do some of the things, you know, there's things I could I would have done over. Yeah. I wish I was. I wish I had the clarity I have now for certain opportunities in my life. But the reverse side of it is, if the way if things didn't go the way they did, I would not have the clarity that I have True. now. So it was the cost of fucking up. I needed yeah. I needed to fuck up.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And I forgive myself for it. And that's awesome. As you should, you should. Uh, you feel good in your own skin now, too. You feel like,
1: like. <laughs> It took me up until that album. So I was five and a half years sober when we made that album mm-hmm. and uh, The
0: Things We Can't Forgive. And it seems like your proudest record. It seems like something that's really
1: I think one of it, your faves. I think it was it was a survival mechanism, as a lot of my records are, but that one was particularly, like, I was fucking destroyed, man. I was heartbroken. Yeah. I was, I, you know, I was just... I was going to drink or get high again if I didn't do something. And I thought I was making a love record. I thought I was making a record about heartbreak. Mm -hmm. But what it really did is it opened up. um, There's a guy that I started working with who was mentoring me that I met in the program. And he said, you know, this isn't about her, man. Let's find out what it's really about. Mm. And I had to dig deep into some really the root of my addiction. But I just didn't know. I yeah. didn't know that's what the root of my addiction was. Like, I think that, I think that it really comes from, like, uh, I think we have, like, a love and attachment disorder. That's what addiction is. It has nothing to do with the substance. Okay. Because drugs hijack the system that we love with, right? It shoots off all the dopamine in your brain. Dopamine yeah. is designed to fall in love. So when you meet a girl... The dopamine starts firing yeah. off, the serotonin levels go down, Point. you experience bliss, you have this mental obsession, you're thinking about this woman all the time, yeah. Right. and you're making irrational decisions based on it, like yeah. doing things you shouldn't be doing, yeah. and you will do anything to see this girl right now, right? Mm-hmm. That's addiction. That's what addiction is. Uh, drugs hijack the system that we love with. So when we're we're getting high, we're really looking for love and attachment and connection. And so many alcoholics and addicts, almost everyone that I've ever met, we are codependent. And we have had something that happened during our childhood that broke broke our trusted bonds, right? Love and attachment. Almost to a T. Almost to a fucking T. That's what it is. So I'm convinced that's what it was. That's what it is. So, when I was recording that record, I think I'm making a record about love and heartbreak. And what it really ended up being was about trauma. And the, and the end of it is really about me forgiving myself for all the fucking things.
0: It's beautiful, man. Yeah.
1: But I wasn't able to do that before, you know? Yeah.
0: Being that place. Have you ever had ther- therapy before? That was it. That was it, That's yeah. The so record. no, so no therapist ever. That's the record. Okay, respect. <laughs> I just sta- I just started going to therapy. First time at fifty two, is I was really scared. The first person in my whole family to do it. I've only gone twice. It's been great, but I'm breaking this the thing in my family of going to. You know what I'm saying? Cycle breaking. Yeah, yeah. So music's been your therapy, hundred percent. Yeah,
1: I mean, look, I I'm not opposed to going to therapy. I think like I've really found a lot like through mentors and like yeah. the program that I work. Yeah. I work a twelve step program, and I. You know, I I work with people in in that circle, and like that's how I've f- done a lot of my therapy. And you're
0: talking about it in front of people, and I've done a low. lot of work, bro. Like yeah. a lot of work on,
1: <laughs> on a lot of writing, a lot of inventories, looking at my fears, my resentments, awesome, and man. forgiving, forgiving myself, forgiving other people, making amends for things I've done wrong. Like I've done a lot, a lot of it. Yeah, it took. I had to. You know yeah. what I mean? I had to clean up a big mess, man.
0: Yeah. Are you an optimist or pessimist?
1: I'm an eternal optimist. Seems like, yeah. My mother said to me, like, you know, because cause I'll, be, I'll talk about something in my childhood or whatever, She's like, she said to me, you know, you have a really, like, you have a really, like, idyllic view of some of the things that were in your childhood. She's like, I think it's a defense mechanism. She's like, wasn't that great? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like when I say something. Yeah. Like, oh, do you remember when, you know? Yeah. She's But I, but I always see the bright side, and I'm like this, the, you know, like, Perfect example of being in that fucking warehouse. and it's yeah, like, dude all cards are reading zero, dude, you're fucking unemployable, <laughs> you're fucked up in the game, and I'm like, I'm fucking on the brink of making it
0: you know believe what I'm in yourself, you believe in yourself, yeah, always dude and never but gave I, up. I see i
1: see the i i I see this in people too by the way, like people say like oh, he's a f- piece of shit, oh that guy's a fucking scumbag or whatever. I never take anybody's word for that sometimes sometimes I get burned by that. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie, but I try to see the... It's like, let me meet them and get my experience Yeah, with let them. me get my experience totally. with them. Dude. And I also give people a pass for shit. And you know why? Because they fucking deserve it, man.
0: Like, fucking, we're all doing the best we can yeah. with the shit that we have. Nobody's a fucking demon. I, that's true. I always see the good in people my whole life like that. Always, man. You know what I mean? We have a lot of friends that go through a lot of shit. Yeah, and man. And I know there's good inside, and they're dealing with stuff, and... Yeah, it's just great to hear your story, man. It's super inspiring. Just knowing you and meeting you throughout my life and hanging with you and seeing the different versions of you and see where you're at now, like nine years into sobriety, it's fucking beautiful. You know? I can say the same thing about you, brother. And I know you.
1: <laughs> I know you. You are always straight edge. I thought. I, th- yeah. I thought that was so bizarre. I think you were the first person I ever <laughs> met that was straight edge. I remember Damien introduced me to you and. Uh, <laughs> and he's like he's straight edge and i was like straight edge what do you mean like he's ne- i i think i asked you Probably, you've do, yeah. never ever ever had a drink or a drug that i think i was fucking in my early 20s we were young Yeah. Right? and you <laughs> <laughs> dude i want to say it was a, you know i had heard about did i meet you in new york or did i Probably. meet you? I, oh. I must have met you at, at cb's or whatever back yeah. in the day but i do remember distinctly meeting you at a hate breed show at um What's the place? I've played it several times. I'm terrible with shit like in this. In New York? Man. No, no, no. In in L. A. Here, and it's a place the Doors used to play all the time. As. Palladium? The, no, no, no. It's on Sunset. It has the, uh, only holds 400 people. It has the billing and. Roxy
0: fun. Troubadour whiskey.
1: Whiskey a go Okay, whiskey yeah, a go
0: yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember the... That's right. Okay, yeah, okay. I met you in there, and
1: uh, Josta was playing with. I think they were playing with heybreed or maybe I don't know, but you were there. <laughs> and I remember asking, what do you mean you're fucking straight-eyed? like, you've never, no, not even once. You never even once. You're like, never, no. man. And Damien was there that night, and Damien was like, he can shit on the wall across the room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's some shit he to do in the 90s, yeah. Spastic, <laughs> spastic colon, yeah. Oh, my God, it's fucking funny, man. He doesn't drink a good eye, but he can shit on the wall across the room.
2: <laughs> Rope master
0: for the listeners. Um yeah, man, I just never try anything, man. It's kind of fucking crazy. And all my friends have partied around me my whole life, and it just, I don't know. I just saw, I saw the effects on my brothers in my household. My mom was working crazy jobs raising us, and it kind of scared me. It kind of scared me straight, And I guess. I don't know. What and did your mom do for a living? My mom worked at uh shit different restaurants because my dad passed when I was three in Taunton, and then my mom was working at, I don't know, she was a waitress. She did all kinds of random jobs. And then we moved to Newport, Rhode Island, where she got uh a job as like a manager of an apartment area, so that was like her first real job. So that's where we left Massachusetts. Oh shit! My so girl, she, my girlfriend's from Rhode Island. Oh yeah. Yeah. What part? Uh, she's. I was in she, Newport. She's
1: kind of like me, where she moved around a million different yeah. t- different neighborhoods, and she, even more so than me, she went. To, she would go to like three or four schools in the same year. And then like, You know, so she's kind of like. Uh, but she lived in like the Cranston area, Johnson, Chapachit, fucking
0: all this other. I don't even,
1: I don't know Rhode Island that well. Yeah. Like that, but, but I, I've learned a little bit about her because I love her and I listen to her. You That's know, awesome.
0: It's a new lady. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, we've been together for a while. But, uh, That's
0: a while new. now, anyways. I think like,
1: you know, for, for a minute, anyways. And, uh, yeah, I love her, man.
0: That's awesome. We, we have a daily ritual you do with her, with you.
1: Oh, with me. You're working out, you. Uh, You know, I, I am a creature of habit, but I also am a creature of getting out of habits. Yeah. So I've had different habits during the course of my sobriety. I used to wake up super early in the morning, go to a meeting, go to the gym, you know, all that. And when I'm in LA, like, I had a whole ritual, like, yeah. you know, and uh, now with the detox, man, I gotta say, like, it's 24-7, right? So yeah. we have... Patients there twenty four seven. There's things that happen. Like I'm always kind of on call. I'm always in the mix over yeah. there. I'm up early, and right now I'm out of town doing a movie, so um, so I'm not there. My phone yeah. is still going all yeah, day. Yeah, see that? Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I, I often um, that kind of that kind of breaks routines in ways. Totally. That I would, but you know, when I'm at my best. I'm meditating every day. Oh, that's cool. I'm praying every day, um, you know, and I'm active in my uh, recovery program. It's awesome. Those are the things that I do all the time. I always like to see my son every day, but as you know, as, as the... As the father of a, a kid getting older, like the, yeah, he's just hit that point where it's like I'm hanging out with my friends. Yeah, you know what I mean? which is great, and it's it natural, but it's a hard part of fatherhood, right? Cause it's really hard. They man. go from being like your little boy, needing like, you all the time. Yeah, to they're like, still
0: gonna need you forever. But yeah, I know what you're saying, like they're hanging with their friends, and like, yeah, man, all these different chapters are pretty amazing having a kid. And
1: you go, damn, I'm getting old,
0: you know? Exactly. But they still love you one. Of, they think you. They think you're cool. I don't know if I'll be cool forever, but yeah, man, it's that bond, that communication with your kid is so important, and giving them them space to grow, and meet people, and do all that shit, and be little adults, and make mistakes. Yeah, it's crazy because we don't own them. It's like we made them, but we don't own. We, you don't own your children, so it's nah. Like, that it's I mean, crazy. they're they're another human being just like I you, know, and man. and I
1: mean, ultimately, you want them to be able to go in the world and navigate their way, and like there might be times where that you don't talk to them for a month or something. I that's unfathomable to I'm, me. right now. I don't want to think like, about
0: that, man. I know I have that leaving the nest syndrome. My son's nineteen, like. A lot of kids now are staying at home to like twenty 22. I'm like, that's so cool. Because like, it's no rush, especially moving out in L.A. It's expensive. It's like, what are you going to do? He works and stuff, but like we have such a good relationship with that bond. I know we'll have that forever regardless where he lives, but that reality of them leaving is fucking, dude, I can't even think about it, man. It makes me so, I can't do it, man. It kills Cause me. Because it fucking goes by so fast. I know. It, and know, life like, goes by fast when you have a kid too. It really does, man. Fuck, it's crazy, man. Especially when you get old. How old are you now? I'm 45. Damn. Catching up. Still young though. Yeah. I.
1: I sometimes I think, <laughs> I think I'm fucking old, and then other times I'm still a young guy. Yeah, you, know? you are,
0: dude. Um. So what? So what's coming out next for you? Uh, well, you can't see what you're working on now, probably. But. I
1: cannot tell what I'm working on right now. Okay. Uh, very excited about it. I wish I could, but I can't. Um, but January
0: sixth is the, uh, the one with uh, Ethan. I'm not up. in that one, so oh, I ju- okay. that's my friend John Swab okay, who directed to it. it. Okay. Yeah, I just went to support it because I was nice. here,
1: and I'm like, I just those, plugged it. <laughs> those are my guys. Yeah, I mean, I love John, and you know, you heard it here first, well, maybe not first, but John's gonna be. I think he's so immensely talented as an art- artist. He takes risks. I would say he's going to be massive, and I believe he will one day. Yeah. But that movie right there is the reason why. The, I You know, he's taking risks. It's okay. fucking like very, I mean... I just feel like Hollywood and the world doesn't support its risk takers anymore artistically. Like everything needs to be safe and politically correct. It's facts. But part of part of that is the reason why I think that he will be huge because he's going. He's he's one of the people who can break that mold. Okay. Usually, Candyland. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, he's made like ten movies. I think I've done five or six with him at this point. And most artists don't who are edgy like that. Or who are really like outside the box He's almost like uh, Chuck Palahniuk Is to writing As okay. he is to directing To me anyways I yeah. think it's a good Good uh, comparison So he's like very left of center and But still like He's Americana like Okay it's, So what? It's just a very brave and bold Approach on a movie I think it's rated X
2: Whoa
0: okay
1: So huh. it's I mean there's That's like crazy. full frontal nudity wow. I mean it's about okay. truck
0: stop sex workers So Okay but every like Monster, remember Monster? I do remember. Yeah. Monster. Charlize Theron, when she killed that one. That was about kind of the same. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, it's a true story.
1: Yeah, I just think John. I just think the world of John as a human being and as an artist. So check out his work because he's he's really like now. I I worked on I I worked on his first movie with him with Manson. uh okay. Let me make you a Modern. Now he's ten movies deep, and uh, wow. I just did one with him in Puerto Rico, and it's like. Watching his evolution as a director is a beautiful thing because he's awesome. really coming into his own. I like a yeah. I think he's gonna be a special director.
0: So what do you have? Is there something coming out soon or next year? You got coming out? You got three coming out? or yeah, something? I got.
1: The, well, it looks like I will probably have like three or four coming out next year. So we'll see. Awesome, man. Yeah. Any,
0: any any names that we can say or no? Uh,
1: one day as a lion, I think might be the next one that comes out. That's with Scotty Kahn and J.K. Simmons. I had a cool Ooh, scene with sick. J.K. Simmons. He's he's just
0: great actor. Yeah. That's cool. Is there anybody you love to work with still?
1: Number one on my list, yeah, PT Anderson.
0: Okay, who's that? Uh, he
1: directed uh, first movie I saw from him was Hard Eight. Then it was Boogie Nights. Then ooh, it, then it okay. was Magnolia. Okay. Then There Will Be Blood. Ooh, okay. Then Punch Drunk Love. All right. The Master. I mean, he's like to okay. me. To me, uh, him and Tarantino. Like, if you you know, I, if you said you could work with either one, I don't know who I would pick. I'd love them <laughs> yeah. both.
0: And what about an actor that you haven't worked with yet? Oh, man. Um,
1: I mean, I think Christian Bale is incredible. Incredible,
0: dude. I love him as yes. an actor. I still watch American Psycho. It's so fucking good. He's incredible, man. Even the machinist, when he lost all that weight. Like, bro. Amazing. Just, and Batman, just he goes so hard. He, he's like a real actor, man. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Um, what about like De Niro or something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean De Niro's mm. one of my heroes, man. Yeah, I, I mean he was my favorite actor for half of my life. Okay, you know? I and I still obviously love his stuff. Yeah, Brando, what? even though he's he's not here anymore, I I Pacino really like Brando Pacino. Yeah, I mean Fuck. that whole era of guys, man.
2: Yeah, who but else? I think
1: we have great actors now too. There's a lot of you know Joaquin Phoenix and like you know those those people Bro. who are just it's incredible. Joaquin's incredible. the best, dude. Tom Hardy.
2: Woo!
0: Tom Hardy. So he's tatted up, and she's hard. Dude, I love him. I always tell my wife that, like, um, if I had to kiss a man, I would kiss Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. Do you know the crazy thing? He's about so handsome. The, he's just so badass, bro. The thing about Tom
1: he's Hardy, like prison though, prison tats. I don't even know what he looks like because he, he. Every time he does a role, yeah. he looks so much different. Like he yeah. looks like a different person every fucking role.
0: Yeah. What's that one? Where, what's the show he's on? Oh, uh, do you watch um, Peaky Blinders ever? Nah. I he's in there, bro. Telling. Is he? Dude, he's like a acidic Jew gangster with with uh, with an eczema, and he picks the scabs on his get face. Get the fuck out of here. Bro, it's so fucking gross. And, and you it, don't even know it's him if you watch it. No, watching. dude. He's incredible. That's my point. Yeah, he's in, he's incredible, dude. Yeah, Hardy's sick. Bale's sick. Those are two great ones you mentioned. Um, there's like, like young up-and-coming ones that people love. But yeah, man, there's so much. And I shout out to Grillo, who good friend of both of ours, and you do a lot of things with him too. I told him he come to the party. He's like, he's a beast. He texts me back and shit. He's I fucking.
1: love Frank, dude.
0: He's a real one, dude. He's a great guy. How but John Berthal, I forgot his name. Berthal. How'd
1: you meet Frank? Did you meet him through I'm, John Joseph? Yeah, I met him at Chromax show. Yeah, yeah. But um, John, Berthold. I had heard that that they were they grew up together, right? Yeah. So so I did. Uh, I did Wheelman with Frank, where I just have a voice role in that movie. It was a Netflix movie. He's in the car the whole movie, and I'm a, okay. Yeah, a so voice I on the I phone. watched
0: that. That was you. Yeah, that's me, dude. I fucking, wa- I might have hit you up there because I watched that movie. Yeah, Wheelman. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: So Frank, I met Frank there, and uh, he's so good. He's just a great dude, man. Yeah, and you know, like, somebody, somebody actually said to me like. When I was going to do that movie, oh, watch out for him! I heard that he's, you know, th- th- he's mean or, or he's an asshole or whatever. And it's like, no, it's, again, remember we were just talking about that. Uh, wait, yeah, have, wait and have your experience exactly, with somebody because Frank is a fucking gentleman, but he's all he's direct, man. He's one of he's us. He's one of us. us. He's an he's, East Coast guy, yes, dude. I have fucking appreciate that. You he know what it is honesty. in, in L. A. People like everybody. Oh, they'd rather like tell you something nice to your face and then like, say something behind your back. 100%. I hate that shit. Fucking tell me what you fucking think.
0: And you that's know? East Coast, like and, straightforward. And
1: that's shit. Frank. Frank is Frank's from the Bronx. Frank is, you know, a blue collar guy who tells it like it is. And yeah. I fucking love that, and I appreciate that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love working with him too. I've I've you know worked more with him recently. So.
0: Yeah, he loves you too. Yeah, he's great, man. It's, that's a great, and we both. I really, really met him through Chris Urvain, our friend who passed away. Uh, both yeah. of our friends. Yeah, no. And he bonded us. And when Frank did my podcast, which just gonna come back and do again, Chris was in the kitchen with us. It was the first time <sighs> I met Grillo here. And then because of that, I never watched UFC fights, never cared about it. We always watched fights together. And now I continue that with Frank at his house for Chris and yeah, we had that connection with Chris Urbane. Rest in peace. And yeah, rest in peace leave, to yeah. Chris.
1: I told you on the side, um, Chris really advocated for me. He got he walked me into 360. He got me signed there and uh, management, 360 management. Yeah, just terrible loss, man. Like as a human being, he was just such a really good dude. I remember different. I I brought vinyl into his uh, his office one day. I brought him like we had these little uh, seven inch uh, mind your business. With the coca d j premier nice and he was pumped i brought that record in but he's like oh toby he was i was like i know toby toby's my boy he's <laughs> like he's like i love h2o toby's <laughs> my friend too toby gave me this vinyl like he had h2o uh, vinyl there that day yeah i remember and he's like he was t- talking about how much he loves you and you guys and, and i was
0: like yeah toby's my man you know so cool. it's such a small work because i was hearing about oh there's this agent lorenzo from swan enemy is like yo this guy chris Yvain, he loves Hawker. he's from new york he's a big agent, caa i was like cool i don't really know about that and then he brought him to my show. And he came to my show wearing like the 100s h a Cola. I put was like, oh shit, this guy's legit. And then we became friends and like same love for hip-hop and gangster and all this stuff. And yeah, man, he's a sweetheart, man. That was that was horrible. Because I, I was in touch with him leading up to that. He was in Jersey. We were texting, checking in on him and stuff. And you just don't know what people are going through. They can have the fame, the great job, the wife, the house, everything. But people are going through different things and trauma and pain, childhood things and that's why it's important to reach out to people and talk to people, and I think that's what what you're doing is so amazing with helping people, and sharing a story like on this podcast, and it can can inspire people. You know what I mean, help people. It's really important, man, because people keep things inside, and then they explode if shit like that happens. It's horrible, man. I can't explain or understand that kind of pain, where you could do something like that, and but I also get that people are in a lot of pain. You know, yeah, that it's was hard, heavy man. As fuck, man. It's
1: hard because you know. Chris was like a really gentle good human being. Yeah. You know what I mean? He always you it's not just me he like I always appreciate Chris for looking out for me and helping me. And uh but I think but he did that for everybody. Everybody and I everybody. saw
0: that when they had these uh groups of people coming out and celebrating his life and going to his brother's house and seeing all these different people from the whole world being there and he helped everybody. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Anyway, well, this was awesome, dude. Like fuck, I'm mean, so great having you here, and the thing about love with the podcast, I always say, it, is like knowing somebody throughout your whole life and actually sitting down with them face to face and talking about them, and learning so much more about them as a person, and just maybe thinking you might know everything about them when you don't. You know what I'm saying?
1: Hey, you didn't even know my fucking name. Man. I
0: know, man. <laughs> it's kind of hard, though. It's kind of cool. Nah, yeah, it's dope. There's I mean, some that... people I won't say their names on the pod would we'll talk after who, are like, I still don't know their names. I want to keep it that way and shit. But like the government name?
1: Yeah, but that's what everybody calls them. It's like yeah. you know. And we, th- the thing about this is like we have a big circle we know yeah. a lot of people right so Barker, th- you everything. don't really get the chance like you you could still love somebody and have mad love for them and and not yeah. know their fucking name <laughs> how weird is that it's so
0: weird. <laughs> not know their middle name not know their age
2: yeah. Do you
1: know what i'm saying like but we just think we come from a different lifestyle I like know, it's a different man. culture you know what i'm saying it's such like, a different
0: time now too like you said a coach all that stuff like
1: but if you think about it this is interesting too and we can wrap after this but we, part of it is we create these versions of ourselves. It, every, every rapper does it. Every hip-hop artist does it. We do it like in street culture and all that. We create a version of ourselves that is indestructible or that is all these things that empowers us. Really, it empowers us. That's a us. great point. That, and that's what hip-hop did. It empowered people, right? Like yeah. It took people from tough situations and it empowered them and gave them a voice, right? Yeah. And that's what that's what our culture does too like in hip-hop we fall under hip-hop culture as well and yeah and hardcore culture and street culture and all that but we have empowered ourselves it's and, true and this is you know this is where it is right like this is an empowerment this telling our stories you know you know giving hope. Talking about some of these things that happen in, in life and how we get through them and the losses that we've suffered and we keep moving forward, and that's empowering. Yeah. That's empowering to us. It's empowering to people. So, that the name stuff is just an extension of that where it's yeah. like slain or fucking whatever it is, yeah. right? Like, it's that's true. part of
0: the empowerment. Yeah. Fuck, man. A lot of gems in this conversation, man. Yeah, it's good I to I appreciate it. Up man, with this is you, so brother. good to have. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Obviously, we're on two different coasts, but we're both, uh, Massachusetts born. Um, thank you for being here. People can find you. Uh, Slane's rolled on your Instagram, right?
1: Yeah, we gotta take the photo on the steps. Well, I always see shit, you post. Bro, we're doing all that I'm not shit. getting in the fucking tub though, Toby. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I talked to my you. You check out the cold plunge and the sauna. He's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Especially coming from the east when it's freezing anyway. But yeah, I'll, I'll show it to you though. It's really good for the mind and the body though. But um, I know I'll
1: try it someday. But I ain't doing it today.
0: Well, thank you for being here, bro. <laughs> this was fucking awesome, man. I'm psyched for people to hear it and I'm stoked to where you're at in your life and proud of you man it's awesome thank you brother good place Likewise. I gotta piss so bad bye everybody <laughs> I always ask my guests if they have any regrets I personally don't have any regrets even when it comes to my tattoos I have the silliest tattoos even my ET on my leg it's still a childhood memory for me and I love it I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos I started getting tattoos when I was 18 I'm 52 now and I can't stop I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other. And that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out. Swipe the credit card. Don't really tell me much. Didn't give me much details of anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo off in one sitting. You have to be patient and it's painful. They ice you up, it's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. Slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code, use h 20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866 934 4570 or go to Removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 remover treatments done. 100 locations, US, Canada, and Australia. State of the art peak laser technology, cryo technology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do on these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to the podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866 934 4570. Use my code TobyH20 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out yo people always ask me what kind of frames i'm rocking i've been rocking caddis for a couple years they make amazing progressive readers which i wear also they make sunglass readers anti-glare anti-smudge coating anti scratcher anti-aging that's why i look mad young when i wear them i'm just kidding um but they make amazing frames caddis so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast you can go to caddislife.com toby10 and get ten dollars off your first purchase stoked thank you caddis welcome to the fam